Alexis is a conqueror. No, I'm Alexander. He's no Alexander. I'm the best ever. There's never been anybody who's I'm Sonny Liston. I'm Jack Dempsey. There's no one like me. I'm from their club. There's no one that can match me. My style is impetuous. My defense is impregnable. And I'm just ferocious. I want your heart. I want to eat your children. It was just banter. Stay off the weed! And England win on penalties! History in itself! You know, I think it's a great city. I think they got the best organization in the NBA. But they do have some big old wins. I'm here with the winner, Derek Lewis. Derek, why don't you take your pants off? Balls are fun. I understand. Oh, it's taking quickly, Reggie! No! Yes, good match. No money's in the fucking reserves. Listen, I ain't gonna forget about this by the time we get the motorway. Hello and welcome to episode 260 of the Spitballing Pod. I'm Luke Byron, joined as always by Tom Kennett. Uh, bringing this episode to you late this week, uh, issues with everyone involved, I think, apart from TK, but um, we've not missed a week, I think, since the podcast started, so uh, we're making sure we uh, hold true to that. Um, this will probably be out late Wednesday, early Thursday, so back to back, because Movie Madness will be out on Friday with uh, Carlito's Way Against the Departed, so a big one there too. Plenty to get into this week because we do have Arsenal Everton on top of the double game week that we had last week. So we'll go through that. And then we've got the big UFC 269, which is coming up this Saturday as well. So we'll give that a mention too. So TK, we are doing this one in person today. Hopefully no echo. We think we've eradicated that if it's just two of us. Don't speak too soon. No. <laughs> Touch wood. We're still um, going to end up having rustling somehow. Yeah. Yeah, Keenan's, I don't think he listens to this podcast. So I, guess, so I, guess. I was listening to the heat one, I was thinking he's never listened back to this because he, as he's walking around, I was thinking, yeah, so this is a great podcast, but it's just, I didn't hear this last five seconds. He he, um, he got AirPods free with his phone and he was like, so you're, you'll be buzzing now. I can't possibly be rustling. <laughs> and he somehow rustles more <laughs> than he did with the like headset he had before. But I think he just hasn't quite realised yet that you still somewhat have to be uh, stationary but we're getting there um, hopefully his uh, Pacino impressions offset superb he he did message me when we were talking about The Departed and I was like do you reckon you have a Boston accent in the locker and he was like I don't know but we've both kind of said the worst thing we can do when we do the podcast is say I'm not sure if I have this and then you've got that little build up in your head of one thinking, do I do this? Two, creating some expectation. I've never been able to do accents anyway. Or if the ones I have been able to do, if someone has then asked me to do it, like I think I, I did an okay impression of Roz from Monsters Inc. Like once. I think I remember, I remember seeing my brother asking me to do it like on demand. And I was like, it's not, it's it not doesn't work like that. It's not the same. Like a, uh, X-Men gets their powers, but isn't able to use <laughs> yeah. them on request. Yeah, I heard your, your, your attempt at a brummy one still murdered me to this yeah, day. Yeah, that's, that's what scarred me, I think. Um, but uh, I remember you being asked to do one in, in sick form, but the the only way it works was one for if it was quiet. 
which then creates even more expectation because there's yes. people telling other people like be quiet be quiet he's gonna, <laughs> he's gonna see this yeah um, you might not have been around I had a similar thing I had a Stephen Gerrard one in the locker as well and people wanted me to do that and again well that got blown out the window by that Darren Farley who's literally for the last like 15 years has just been doing the same impression and I would argue I think mine was actually better than his (laughs) and he's Scouse he's barely even doing an impression he just said um a few times and people were like you know what he's doing this like in the back of a supermarket there was some like Walker's crisp packets weren't there if he wasn't Scouse people would say it was offensive because all people do with Scouse accent is just do really high pitched shrieky (laughs) that's all they really do I remember it coming out and being like a big, a, like it was the ones that made it to like your dad sending it around. Like I think my dad yes. actually showed me. Yeah. It may have been mentioned in like The Sun or something he's, like um, that. Yeah, the first clip is like him in like a corner shop, isn't it? Yeah. It? yeah. And that's the one that blew up and then yeah. he's, like I said, he's, I yeah. mean, I guess fair enough, he's dined out on it. Yeah, it must have been filmed on like a flip phone. But there's that same guy who does um, McGregor once. Al think, Foreign. Uh, yeah. And I yes. think even McGregor at one point has been like, hang on a minute, mate. <laughs> yeah, he um, he's in with the Furies and that now, isn't he? I've seen, seen a lot of videos of them knocking about together. I saw a journalist ask um, Vardy, like, why, "Why did you unfollow? Um, why have you blocked Lee Chappie on Twitter?" And he's like, "Why wouldn't I?" That's <laughs> what a weird question. <laughs> <laughs> and he's he kind of squashed it in that one, and he got asked it in another one. He's like, well, "Do you not think it's a bit strange? Like, why would I? Why would?" Why would I appreciate this? Like, <laughs> and that's got to be one where he's he's cocky in a footballing sense. I don't think Jamie Vardy's going around thinking he's like Brad Pitt. No, but he must look at that Lee Chappie and be like, "Come on, give me a break." I'm, yeah. I'm a bit better than that. He's just got some spiky area. <laughs> we do have some news of the week this week. I actually I made sure I haven't kind of taken from next week's news of the week just to make sure. Uh, we're still in sync, so... Uh, very good, very disciplined. We've got next week's episode, and the week after will actually be the Christmas special, so time Jeez. is flying mm. in December. Um, so anyway, news of the week. Local, this one. A bomb squad called to hospital after man gets World War, World War Two mortar stuck, up, stuck in his rectum. <laughs> Struggle to say that was. Gloucester man. So this this came out on Friday, wasn't it? And I remember it kind of reaching work where people who don't usually come in the office would, would come in and be like, have you seen this? You seen yeah, it? yeah, yeah. And I remember speaking to someone um, around who has family that work in um, the hospital. Bomb squad. And yeah, <laughs> in the hospital. And saying to them, like, well, this is one of those things, like, you're told how confidential everything is. Like I've heard from other people that work in hospitals, like, oh, this celebrity came in once and we had to kick him out because he was yeah. drunk. It's only it's only confidential until it's a story worth telling. Yeah, exactly, exactly that. Because everyone just assumes they won't be the one that comes up when the story is told. Like they're not going to say, "I heard from Mark's stepdaughter yeah. this story," and people are going to get, oh, "Okay, okay." So they just bank on it, just be enough people telling the story that it's going to get out. Who was the whistleblower? Well, was I was it? thinking with that, like if you're a journalist, look for the bloke limping out of A&E. Like, yeah. this shouldn't be too hard to track down. Imagine his face when he thinks he's got he's, he's dealt with this quite stealthily. <laughs> yeah, he's like, oh, thank God no one's going to bring that up again. Sees Gloucestershire live. Yeah, or he's got to do the opposite and he's got to embrace it. Like that mum that ran over... 
the protesters like who was hosting club nights. Oh my god! Like, yeah. <laughs> like just with her ass, just pointing right at the camera. Like imagine this guy hosting club nights from he, now on. He might just have to because someone is going to rat him out at some point. I mean, even at school, like weird, worse stories of of the scandals happening. And this was before you had yeah. Twitter and things like yeah, that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. These kind of things now. He may just have to embrace this pretty quickly. I think so. I think he's got it. And a lot of people, once you're in on the joke, do just kind of let it die down. I was about to say you've got to lean into it. Maybe that's an unfortunate <laughs> choice of words on this. But it, it, is, it is funny, though. I, I do, not not in this situation, more when it's... Um, uh, I don't know the right way to say it without ruining what I'm about to say. But people who kind of um, like embrace their own imperfections. Like I know my <laughs> mum was watching some like hospital programme recently. Um, of some disabled guy who'd come in, he's, he'd hurt his hand um, and he was, uh, so he's in a wheelchair and apparently the person's like commented on his watch and he was like, you wouldn't believe this, I've done 10,000 steps today, if you can believe that. <laughs> Very good. And people just laughing at things like that. I'm not sure this guy's going to get the same laughs. No. <laughs> I mean, the fact that they're obviously going to have to, they've called the bomb squad in. What do you You have- feel like you've really put them out here. Do you think that might narrow it down? Like, say you work with someone, they've told you that they have interests in, like, old war relics and things like that. Hmm. He's off work on the Friday, and he comes in the Monday, and how's your weekend? He's a bit sheepish. You'd be thinking, hmm, there's only so many people that could be doing this. (laughs) Poor bloke. Um... I mean, we say poor bloke. I mean, on the basis that he slipped and fell on this. (laughs) We'll take him at his word, shall we? Uh, I, you must. You don't start with a World War Two mortar. If I'm saying that right, I actually had to Google how to pronounce this beforehand. I think you work your way up to it. So, couple of shotgun shells. Or something <laughs> on the, it's it's like, like I don't know how you find yourself in this situation. Like you get a bit too brave, maybe. Like I said, the other thing is, well, obviously, this going to have to be a team effort to get that out because the the doctor isn't qualified to deal with a bomb and the bomb's gone on qualified to deal with his ass. No, so you know, you've got to both get in there. You know at least someone's told him like, you know, this isn't the first time this has happened and he's had to go, not even I believe this here. Yeah, yeah like the nurse goes, well, you should see some of the stuff we see in here. He's going, what's worse than this? What have you seen that is worse than this? Yeah, absolute nightmare. Um, Italian dry, tries to dodge COVID jab using fake arm. <laughs> and he claims this has ruined his life, this has, because he was outed. You use a fake arm, you get outed, you stick that in your uh, derriere, and people keep your identity private. <laughs> He's thinking, come on, I need to get in the NHS. <laughs> That's worse than having a mortar shoved up your ass. Yeah, I mean, strange. Just, maybe you just don't turn up for the jab, rather than... Yeah, it would seem, uh, it would seem the easier one. Uh Walmart pulls children's toy that swears and sings in Polish about doing cocaine. <laughs> this must happen like once a year, these stories. Is it just someone like going rogue in the factory or something? Yeah, or the developers are just trying to sneak these things through and thinking, oh, oh, nobody is going to uh, pull us up on this. Um, doctor fined for amputating wrong leg of patient. <sighs> this happens more than we would hope it does. Yeah, I mean... Well, even you know the, the, the having to mark stuff to make sure they get the right one. Even that just seemed has always seemed odd to me. Well, like, 
we're we're the hub of these kind of stories, so <laughs> people know if they listen to this regularly how frequently these things do happen, and it's worrying. Usually, if it doesn't say the country, it's more local than you'd like it to be, because they very clearly cross the shiver oil again. Yeah, well, like they usually will be like. Indian doctor, they love blaming it on Indian doctors. Yeah. Indian yeah. or Brazilian doctors, they love just chucking under the bus. When it doesn't tell you, that's when you should be worried. Yeah, go look at the small print. Uh, chef handed suspended sentence for undercooked shepherd's pie that killed one and left 31 ill. Blimey. Can we be sure it was the pie? What I didn't think, like, how undercooked <laughs> must that be? Yeah, that's... It's a shepherd's pie, for God's sake. That's what I mean. I mean. It's, it's just... <laughs> um, police called as hundreds of children brawl at trampoline park. <laughs> oh, I wish you could have seen that. Well, that's excellent on trampolines as well. Like Nothing inflated your ego like playing football on a trampoline. Because you could be like pink. Even in goal, you could fling yourself about more than you ever could. Mm. Like I mean, it's the only time I've ever been up to nail an overhead kick properly was on a trampoline, throwing it up for myself. Um, so there must have been like front flips off the top <laughs> all sorts going on I can't, imagine, I can't imagine you're at a trampoline park and everyone agrees that we'll take this onto onto the floor here no no you use your surroundings they obviously saw the trampoline just got some rage for <laughs> throwing down iconic home alone house available to rent on Airbnb I'm scared to know how much that would cost. Airbnb over here is well boring. Well, the ones we've heard of, like the old blockbusters in Airbnb in America, now the Home Alone house, I imagine there's loads more. You can stay at Lake Norwich Ground. Yeah. <laughs> <That'd be> nice. <laughs> I saw, um, so in Tuma last week's Movie Madness, so the diner that they shot the uh, diner scene in with De Niro and, and he, Pacino yeah. coming face to face, they actually got rid of that place eventually. Like for a while people would come there and it was table 71 and they would come in and they'd give them the big spiel there's a picture on the wall next to it and then he got rid of it I think it's like a nail bar or something now jeez so do you think of all the places America should be stepping in and saying well we'll keep this we'll keep this place alive national heritage yeah um, it's, I'm glad they did something with it as in when you said people used to come and they did a whole spiel because otherwise just sitting at a table is going to yeah. be quite deflating isn't it I think it was just the people... You're sat opposite someone that isn't Al Pacino. Well, I don't think they had a big thing outside, like, this is where we did it. Yeah. I think they still ran it as a as a diner. But for the people that came there, because people went there knowing the place yeah. it was, yeah, yeah. they were like, can we sit at a table? And they were like, yeah, yeah, come here. This is where they shot it and give them a few pictures or whatever. People just queuing up. There's, there's all these other free tables. Yeah. No, no, I want 71. Like the front of the roller coaster. <laughs> um, Trump had McDonald's while in hospital with COVID-19 reports say now that's some commitment to it so i saw this and was a bit worried that it was a headline because i had domino's two for tuesday while i was uh, (laughs) in bed with covid um i was worried my taste was going i thought some citrus pineapple on a pizza which uh, (laughs) people may not like as a chorizo and pineapple pizza i had which is a great combination for those that don't trust it um, I think people would argue your taste is already gone getting that. <laughs> I keep preaching the, the, the cheat code with Domino's is to swap the pepperoni for the chorizo sausage. Because the pepperoni isn't like Papa John's where they really crisp it up. The pepperoni with uh, Domino's, unless you get a double pepperoni, can kind of fade in amongst everything else. That chorizo, thicker, a bit smokier. 
it's it's a winning it's a it's a winning option. Throwing it in with the pineapple just uh, I don't know it speaks me. Maybe one day you'll try it. Although you don't like pizza. Um, pandemic supply chain issues are now affecting chicken tenders worldwide. Blimey. Um, if I asked you to uh, rank um, your chicken products, and like if I give you nuggets, dippers, strips, and kickers, oh, I think kickers might be one. I don't like how dippers are disrespected, but at the same time, it's a tough group. It's a group yeah, of death. Yeah. At the same time, look, I've been hearing about Liverpool's death group of death uh, this week, which I think. Has been a bit overstated. But I would say it was a um, group of really bad illness. <laughs> it was a t- tough group, probably not going to die. But he, he, a maybe when group. you're not like one of the two best teams in the world, I think it it's because like you look death. at like the Chelsea group of like Malmo. Yeah, yeah. You're like okay, we don't really have a Malmo, but you've just got three teams that yeah. again you should beat. Do you think if kickers were as readily available as Nuggets are? that they would still be number one. You are right. The scarcity of the product does help, I think. You're right. Like, I, I was thinking this, and bearing in mind we were going to do the podcast Monday, uh, I've had time to think about this. Pretty stew on it. Like, I don't know if we've taken nuggets for granted a bit or we've been put off by saying we like chicken nuggets so much because there was like a whole group of people on social media that made like liking chicken nuggets their personality trait. Yeah. A little bit like with hash browns. People made that a thing for a while. I know you're a big so, hash brown so guy, but the people bit, did. I've been a bit put off them um, lately. I, I tried and I said this to Keenan, and he didn't really. Uh, he thought there was nothing. There was nothing weird there. Like I, I all day, you know, when you kind of get something in your head, whether it's something simple that you're gonna have for tea. And last week, I was. I'm gonna get home and I'm gonna have jacket potato, beans and cheese. Um, got home, didn't have any jacket potatoes and how many potatoes I could use. And I thought, hang on a minute. We do have hash browns. What if... I mean, I love hash browns. What if I had the hash browns, put some cheese on there, beans on top? This this surely should be even better. Makes sense. Horrible. Yeah. <laughs> like, by the time I'd sat down to eat it, the hash browns had, like, even the crispiest had gone a bit too mushy. Oh, God. Like, I could taste... Um, like everything in a hash brown that isn't potato more strongly than you usually can. It was like it's like it shouldn't have been with the beans, um, in that quantity anyway. I had to chuck it all away. It was Oh my god. I think in the end I had a pot noodle that night. Nice. It was That's a rough evening. Yeah, yeah. I've I built it up so much in my head like this is gonna like I, I thought I'd discovered something. I was debating whether to put some butter on the hash browns, like and really go Christ. All in. This is like the evening of a divorced man on his first day without the wife. What am I going to eat from now on? Every every meal I had that week was just rough. Like everything I just wanted to have was just turning to shit. I don't know what was going on. Um, but anyway, that is uh, the news of the week. So if we move from one atrocity to another and start with Newcastle, um, as I said, we've got like two fixtures for most of these teams. Um, um, well, I mean, we're not going to recap every game. I've kind of got some talking points from most teams. Um, so Newcastle, massive week for them. Norwich and Burnley, Correct. both at home, I believe. Um, yeah, both at home. What you've you've got to think they go into that week, if not expecting, hoping for six points, if they want to stay up. 
in the situation they're in, I think, yeah. Yeah, yeah, I think so. Especially when you... The way that Norwich game starts does change things slightly. That red card from Kieran Clark oh. is is one of the stupidest things I've ever seen on a football pitch. And I've been supporting Arsenal <laughs> for about 25, 26 years. Yeah, brainless, wasn't it? It's, if this was right at the death, maybe you could understand it. But as it, it was, was in that game... It was nine minutes in. Yeah, just... And it's not like... It's team with Puka get Puka yeah, again, yeah, so yeah. it's not, you know. That's the thing. Like, you don't have to do this, probably. In that team, I mean, they're not a very quick team. Maybe just because we don't know all the Norwich players, I may be doing them a disservice, but. No, they're not. They're not. They're, not, they're not like when you you look at some players, and it's not like when Sun gets in behind you, you almost see the defenders sometimes put their hands up, like, I'm not fouling him. Yeah. What do you want me to do? Yeah. In this case, like. Eddie Howe patting him on the back wound me up more than it should. And I keep seeing this. There was the one in where just before Ollie was I mean, sacked. Ollie must know he's going as well as to make yeah. things that make it even worse with his one. And you had it with um, Arteta, did it with uh, Xhaka yeah. last season. And where they almost like dap them up on the way past, like, like no, no hard feelings. And it's like, well, no, hard feelings because yeah. This, yeah. the situation Newcastle are in, if they if they go down, say, by two points, people aren't going to pin it on Kieran Clark. Right. It's going to be someone like Joel Dummett is going to miskick one in like the last five games and people are going to pin that and say, Newcastle would have stayed up if Joel Dummett cleared that ball. Yeah, exactly. When that is is not even like a mistake, that's just stupidity. Yeah, yeah, sheer stupidity. I said before, isn't it, that we don't, we place so much less emphasis on mistakes early in the season. Yet you know, it equates the same amount. It's the same points that you've lost by doing it. As you said, the, it's bizarre that the manager would applaud them, and that you're definitely the one who's going to get it in the neck. Yeah. You're definitely going to get some blame for this. Yeah, I, unless the only other thing Eddie I was thinking was maybe we can get through this, and now I've got more justification to spend some cash. But we'll get to that as well. Listen, he's also. Um, Frequently been referred to as like a supply teacher, isn't he? The supply teacher is yeah. trying to get you all on side. So that's basically what he's done. Is don't worry about the seating plan, lads. You can well, trust me. I've seen with him, and I I thought it after the Arsenal game, um, where to be honest, I think they had maybe one decent attempt in the first half where they were just basically playing a ball in behind for Joe Linton and making it one v one. And he, if anyone, has impressed me more this season for Newcastle than maybe anyone outside of Callum Wilson. Yeah, I don't know whether the bar was just so low with him well, that we thought he would, or, but he does look better. They sure. seem to be playing him as like somewhere between a box-to-box midfielder and a 10. He seems to be roaming across the pitch, but neither in those positions, and they're essentially just banking on his work rate, which is his main hmm. trait, and his physicality. But he... Sometimes the best thing to do with Gabriel is to make it 1v1 and he seems to relish the challenge more than he sometimes should yeah for and sure. in the first half he was really making it a battle with him and then in these two games like I messaged my brother who's watching it and I mean the combination of I think not having the TV channels where he doesn't have his own house yet and having two kids he doesn't watch Newcastle as much as uh, he should so he doesn't see the players as frequently and so he goes by like what you see on Twitter, like Joel Linton is the worst player we've ever seen. Like these players are the saviors. If like Alan St. Max, man, this that, 
And I messaged him saying, Joe Linton's probably been the best player here. And he's like, yeah, he has actually uh, mm. quite impressed me watching this. And I watched the Burnley game, all 90 minutes of it for uh, my sins. Christ alive. Yeah. I, I just The games on Saturday lunchtime, there was very few that actually had any me- felt like they had any meaning to them. Mm. And this just felt like what it was, one of them. And he was everywhere, Joel Linson. And not just, well, we've commented on, I think Ertzell's the prime example, where you're running for running's sake. Like, this was running with a purpose. Yeah. He was really good. And ultimately, they snuck past Burnley. They did everything they could to give it away. But they managed to get by. Has the last week given you any new feelings as to whether they can stay up, whether it be you're more convinced or you're less convinced? No, I'm pretty much as I was. Um, like you say, getting past Burnley doesn't do a lot for me. Arsenal and Spurs did the same against Burnley. I mean, it can happen, can't it? They can make life difficult for you. Like they beat us last year, so it's yeah. not I'm not saying that you know they haven't got it in them. Uh, basically, my thoughts on Newcastle are it's going to depend on if they do because they said they're going to have a slow start with the spending. It depends if they stay due to that. If they do spend a little bit in the right areas, uh, I think they can stay up. If they don't, if you were to say, look, this is the team for the rest of the year, I would seriously question it. I think, because Joel, Joel Linton's picked up, I think Wilson's looked good, some maximum obviously we know. It's on the other end, defensively. I mean, if LaSalle's is probably your best defender, uh, that's a serious indictment because well, he's not good. You say that, um, I, I spoke to a couple of Newcastle fans in the meantime, and it's borderline like sacrilege if you say that to them. They do not like Lascelles. Like no, I, I've seen a movement online to go from liking Lascelles when he first broke into the team to we can't stand this guy. Well, but there's for a while I was they've saying, got a terrible if they, if they go down. I'd have been the conversation with Wijnaldum as oh you wouldn't mind picking him up. Yeah, um, I believe you said he should play for England. Yeah, and yeah, he's he's just he dropped really off, bad. He? I mean, dropped off. The fact that they have been so far back, Sir Maximin struggles to get into the game. Like he had a couple of games at the start of the season. There was one against, I'm going to say Leeds, and I think it's the one where Jacob Murphy tries to chip the keeper with like the last kick of the game. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And he, that day, was like everywhere. He's unplayable. But everyone around him wouldn't put it in the back of the net. Since then, he's kind of just been running into dead ends which is what you thought might happen if he was at a bigger team so I'm not too sure there there was rumours that came out this week and it's somewhere between a paper rumour and uh, this is happening rumour um, that they're in talks to sign Sven Botman for 40 million was linked with Liverpool um, yeah, yeah. Uh, in the summer Lille don't need to sell but are in a position where if they get offered significant money they'll always take it Um I mean, Arsenal are linked with him. I would rather not do any more deals with Lille. <laughs> <laughs> uh, the scoundrels. Although we've, yeah, we got a good deal out of them with Gabriel, but Pepe one still stings. Do you think they may just try and chuck money at the problem? Because this kind of rumour, it did seem a, like there's a bit more of something to it. Shea Given in the week said, oh, I've heard that uh, Eddie Howe was told when he came in, he's got 50 million to, sign in January, to spend in January. Right. Which wouldn't be that's almost out the window with Botman then. Yeah, I mean, do you think they'd be better signing one big player? Because do you think a couple of players are going to move the needle for them, or do you think one? Yeah, you're right. I mean, there's there's two twenty five million pound players now do a lot for Newcastle compared to one. 
I, I don't know. You, they're going to have to be smart with their business, aren't they? Because they aren't going to be able to get top players at the minute. Someone like Botman does feel like smart business. Um, let's face it, we're probably also going to find out a bit about Eddie Howe's coaching. If he can coach a team to have better shape than they've got currently, uh, to get the best out of their attacking players but be a bit more defensively solid, then maybe they'll have a, have a chance. If they do get someone like Botman in, that's at least an improvement on what they've got. I don't know if it's enough. How much do you think played into the fact that they've got Callum Wilson, Ryan Fraser, Jeff Hendrick was there one night at Bournemouth? Where was he at before? Was Burnley before. Burnley, then. okay, sorry. Being with a B as well. But the fact they had a couple of uh, Bournemouth, Matt Ritchie, um, yeah. how much do you think that actually played into the fact that he's the one who they went with? I would, I'd like to think not, but yeah, you could be right. <laughs> I mean, I would point out he went down with them. Is this another thing? I would, yeah, yeah. Is the concern if I was appointing him? It's like, let's go appoint this manager to go play with these players who took a different club down. Uh, let's face it, if they do go down, it feels like a, a bump in the road to their longer term project, doesn't it? You assume they would probably come back up and it would basically be delaying the project by a season. But it isn't a good look. No, I would. They think... didn't buy the club to go into the championship. No, I th- think if they're smart and whether the other clubs will accept this would be they'll do big loan fees with the um, loan with an option or an obligation if they stay up. Mm. Um, and then as a player, you're taking a partial punt because you're going back. Although how your stock's going to drop, ask Kabak how it can go <laughs> um, in, the, in this course of a season. I warned Norwich. I tried warning them. <laughs> So it's, it's it's very interesting. You'd think that's what they'll do. You'd think they could even agree up to like a hundred millions worth of loan with an option hmm. for what can you have? What about four players now on loan or something like that? Yeah, yeah. Whether the other clubs are going to accept that? It's other clubs will be trying to to milk them, won't they? You'd need to go to somewhere like Real Madrid where they've got the squad. Like they're happy to let us have Ceballos for a loan, <laughs> yeah. and we'll give them. Five million for the season, or Dortmund when they did it with you and um, what's his name? Uh, Sign. Yeah, the Neri Sign derby. <laughs> I, I don't know. They're in trouble if Callum Wilson gets injured. They're done if Callum Wilson gets injured at this stage, which is not the player I want no. to pin my own. No, hope someone on. who has been known to get injured and has also been streaky. He can have. Yeah, he scored in what well, he scored in the Norwich game and he scored in the Burnley game. Yeah, he goes on runs, doesn't he? He gets, you know, as fantasy football players will tell you, you think he's sort of money and then he'll go 10 games out scoring for you and you're well, all over the shop. can go. Like, when he was being linked with Chelsea for 50 million, like, there was a debate as to whether that was a good deal. <laughs> There's no debate in my mind, I'll tell you. Wow. The, I know they've done some good business over the years, but the money Bournemouth missed out on. Yeah. Sure sold him, sure sold Ake for double the amount they sure eventually sold. Ryan Fraser sold. before they let him go for free. Yeah. Josh I, King, they could have got more money for than they did in yeah, the end. Yeah, that was about 50. They turned down 20 from United. I... Oh, for Lukaku had missed that. I can't believe I was part of the uh, We Need Ryan Fraser at Arsenal campaign. <laughs> like, that's one looking back where I'm like, that's not a good look. i tell you what, I mean, obviously he was a shitbag for what he ended up doing to Bournemouth anyway. Watching him, I was thinking... For someone who half his game was on about moving to work rate, I was thinking, you're not really doing a lot for these. Well, he he was shoved at um, wing-back at the Emirates, or at least that's what it looked like. Um, there was, was him on one side and Matt Ritchie on the other. That was Bruce Ball. 
I don't know. Like at the time, it seemed like he's got a decent output for Bournemouth. I think it was us no, and I, Liverpool were both linked with on him. On a free signing, yeah. I think he's a fine. He would have been a fine squad player, and I think potentially, don't know, but I think he could have been one of those that maybe whose attitude improves at a bigger club. Potentially a little bit. This is where the only comparisons lie, but Shakiri. I was about to say yeah. where you might wonder about him at a lower club, but we'll get his act together because he's realizes it's a bigger team now. Because we yeah. never had a moment's problem for him. No, and that was seen as potentially he might be the type. Yeah, it's it's it's, it's very strange. But no, I don't. I think people are starting to think maybe Newcastle are a little better than they are just off the first sort of positive result they've had, and I think the this is more of a sign of they're going to improve slightly, but the rest of the season is what they are. They're not very good. Because no, I've been the opposite in that I gave them more credit going into the season. Mm-hmm. And then I'd obviously watched them, but usually when they've been on TV this season, it was against like United or Leicester. At the Emirates, seeing it up close, and that was with a new manager. Yeah. I mean, we weren't great, but they were... Hideous, outside of two moments there's very few times when watching Arsenal I truly feel like we're not in any trouble at all yeah yeah. and I think they had the five minutes where they had the one down the channel to Joe Linton Shelby hit the bar and they had a couple of little moments in there other than that it was like I actually feel pretty alright here watching this yeah yeah yeah. wasn't a fun watch didn't really see it wasn't fun in the freezing cold watching that I, I remember thinking like He's a trooper for going to that. <laughs> so that looks horribly cold, yeah. and this is a grim game. Yeah, it was the worst thing about it is, um, like the seats at the Emirates are probably about as big as they should be, but you always get someone who's either not who just spreads out or whatever. And this was like sardines thing, oh. but it was like when you stand up, you have to get down quick. To make sure no one else is nicking your seat. You don't have half in, another person in, on in your seat. So yeah, and I was debating whether or not to wear my puffy jacket to that one. I wore it, and I was still freezing cold. It was horrible. That's miserable. In fact, I've uh, I've got someone a woolly hat for Christmas, and I'm debating they might not be having that and be wearing it to the game on Saturday. Um, if we go on to Neil Mope, I had a bit to say on him. So he got a stoppage time equaliser against West Ham. In this could be a weekly yeah. segment for you, I think. It's a Mope slander. Uh, no, it's not not slander at all. Okay. I was going to... Are him and Vardy the last great wind-up merchants in the Premier League? <laughs> yeah, you could be right. Because there's... And it's tough to do it at West Ham as well. And I'm not saying this as a slant on their stadium because a lot of the modern stadiums are like that. But to wind them up when you're so far away, to get the fans in the stadium knowing, like on TV, it's easy... Yeah, him him yeah. shushing, like you've got to be doing that with some passion for the fans there to know what <laughs> what what you're doing. I know Ian Ian Wright speaks so, like, uh, gleamingly about Vardy because he says, "I don't know why strikers don't talk shit anymore." He yeah. says he must have been a nightmare, right? Christ. He says the best thing for me would be scoring a goal and waving goodbye to the away fans, giving it back. <laughs> He yeah, said he agreed. would like to pick one fan and be like, "I'm giving it to you today, <laughs> and you're gonna and you're gonna make sure." And he said it helped him score because he was like, yeah, "I'm yeah. not letting him have the last word." He said he would almost do it before he scored because now I have to score. 
I remember hearing him talk similarly about like defenders saying just like just he convinced himself like on the day of the game like I hate this guy and I'm just going to bully him all game. He said if you look at his record against Crystal Palace and you look at his record against Spurs, Palace who hated him for leaving despite the fact they actually sold him because they didn't want to sell their other striker at the time to Arsenal. Yeah. And Spurs because of the rivalry there. He says my record of them it was felt better than it was against anyone because I was always I, I've for made a rub for my own back. <laughs> But Vardy, we've had it where he kind of has been doing like the celebrations. He did the Wolves one, didn't he? Where he was howling. Mope is, is very much, I'm giving it to your fans and I'm making sure you know about it. He did it to the Palace fans, wasn't it, in the game at the start of the season? Yeah, yeah. Monday the, Night Football. The, the Eagle, yeah, yeah. wasn't it? Yeah, yeah. Um, I remember he did it in the week before they played us where he made a big thing about it and he brought up the Gwen Doozy thing from the time before. Yeah. And he'd said something about, I think on Monday Night Football before, they'd said something about playing Arsenal and he'd said something along the lines of uh, easy or whatever. I remember all game thinking, please don't let him score. And if you remember the last 10 minutes, he had a pretty decent header. It was knocked back across the box to him and he headed it and he did it right down the middle and Ramsdale tipped it over the bar, which... Yeah, because I, I put him in my FPL team on the basis of where I score against Arsenal. Yeah. <laughs> it's just destined it's, to happen. Yeah, and he nearly, very nearly did. But it was a thing. The whole week I was thinking, please do not let him score. And I didn't know if the players were nervous because of it. I, I couldn't see him getting amped up about it. But he is brilliant at it. And it's better that he's not Kane or Lukaku. It's someone who's that middle of the road. Yeah, yeah. And he's yeah. making the most of what he's got and it adds more to it because now I shouldn't be caring about Neil Mope, but I am. Yeah, yeah, it does. It definitely adds something to his arsenal, doesn't it? Where you say, yeah, he's not the top, top striker, but that probably does get an extra 5% out of him. Yeah, especially because he scored late against um, Southampton again at the weekend, mm, yeah. didn't he? Um, and he, he, he gave it the big one there. I think it's probably... Needed for a team like Brighton as well, which I'd probably say is probably quite a nice team in terms of and, and the football they play is. Graham Potter seems a lovely bloke. Yeah, <laughs> and having that probably gives them an extra edge that you don't want to be too nice as a team, no. and someone like him there probably does help them with that. I did enjoy that Graham Potter. I mean, maybe I need a history lesson as to where this club's been. That um, is <laughs> as good a put down I've heard yeah. of a fan base. So good. It, I mean, how quickly fans get entitled. Well, it's a thing, isn't it? Because. I've said on here before, and I've checked myself for it since, where you say teams like, and then I've had people before, whether it be West Ham fans or, or Spurs or whoever, and they say, well, look at Arsenal now. We used to be saying teams like. Right, you know, <laughs> yeah. fair, fair point. Yeah. Um, but teams like Brighton, they shouldn't be, like, they shouldn't feel they're bigger than Graham Potter, or should they? But No, no absolutely not. No, he's putting up trees there. Every other, any time a manager gets sacked, they must be nervous, thinking, surely, surely they're coming for him next. Nobody seems to have done that yet. But No, it feels like a matter of time, doesn't it? They want to watch the next time he gets sacked and he might think, well, you know what, I'll go and prove myself now. Look, you're better off with me than without me. For sure. For sure, yeah. I mean, total segue, but Chantham just got dicked on the weekend. And I saw Jantan fans kicking off saying, 
he's going to have to explain the team here, the, the, the tactics and stuff about the manager. You think where our manager is getting linked with a lot of jobs better than the Cheltenham job. He's got them to mid table in League One. He's got the like, second lowest budget in the league, and I think it's a I think it's a mid table League Two budget. Is it there? And it's like, what you're Cheltenham fans? What the fuck do you do you expect? Is, How quickly fans get entitled is much. Yeah. Is there anyone else other than Fadi and Mope that you can think of that are actually one at merchants? I'm I'm thinking we're missing someone glaringly obvious here. Because the ones otherwise that I would say aren't specifically doing it to the fans, like fans just get wound up by them. Like I don't think the Ramsdale stuff with Leicester really that was more having fun with the fans than it was winding yeah, I'd, I'd them agree. up. I'm looking at our team. I can't see anyone. I'm looking at Chelsea. I can't see anyone. I mean, we'll get on to Mount. I think he he tried a little something against West Ham, which came back to bite the ass. <laughs> Antonio, maybe, but that's it again. Seems playful, more like, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. People sometimes say about Robertson being a shit house for us. I don't think it's really the same. No, hardly he's, because he's a fullback as well. So it's kind of harder to than a striker. He's not even doing it to wind the fans up either, is he? He's doing it to gain an edge on the pitch. Yeah, like yeah. And he, he is a shit host. <laughs> he mm, I saw yeah. a, I saw a clip of him in the week and it um I think he'd go right through me. I was about to go right through Blimey. me bloke, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, I was I stopped myself and made that even worse. <laughs> but I saw the clip I don't of think him, he's type. I saw the clip of him walking out to get the squad photo done. Every clip of him, he just seems to be shouting for no reason. <laughs> there's only so long that I'd be able to put up with that. Like, can you just not? Like, can you be a bit quieter? I think I would love the guy, but I know what you mean. I think you'd be... Uh, like, if you had a headache, you'd be like, do you want to fucking quiet yeah, down a bit, Andy? He's walking out and he's like, ah! And it's like, look, you've got to know, you're one of the shortest players in the team, you're going to be at the front yeah. of this bullshit. <laughs> yeah, but again, that's... That's a good sense of humour because he knows that crack and he's, he knows that's going to be the case and he's bringing it on himself, isn't he? So you do need someone like that. He is there. just like every clip I see of him, he's just shouting. And then you you, do, you see him on the pitch and he's just, if he's not shouting, that's usually when you're worried because it's usually when he's niggling at someone. <laughs> yeah, he, he would be, if you're on a lad's holiday, the next day you're all hanging out your ass and he's there shouting in the morning, for sure. He, well, he realised, which not many defenders seem to, that you you can get away with just shoving someone into the advertising boards. Like, it's never punished. And if it is punished... I hate that as well. Yeah, and if it is punished, it's never by... It's worse to Old Trafford. That drop... Yeah. <laughs> I say, it just seems so unnecessary. I I never, like, I you never, could put something in between to <laughs> I remember break I, the fall. I went to the Super League final at Old Trafford the the, the one year. Um, wasn't It wasn't... So the grand finals at Old Trafford and um, the cup finals at Wembley. Yeah. Weird way around to do it. But I saw one of the um, Warrington players and he dived for a try. She was, no, he's a Warrington player now. He wasn't then. He played for Wigan, I think. But you saw him one second and, and the, the next second he wasn't there anymore. Where he dived and he just, just straight down on that drop at oh the end. Which, it was like a last minute winning try. So he didn't care. But I can't believe they, they don't do anything about it because the amount of players that you see get injured. I remember it happened with, um, I think it may have happened with, what was it? I'm going to say Ox at Arsenal. I'm pretty sure someone shoved him off there mm. and, and he got injured because of it. And it definitely happened. Did Shakiri have a thing with Licksteiner? There was one that 
No, it was um, Matteo Debushi. Oh, God. He had it, and his first game back, the same thing happened to whoever did it to him. I'm not sure if that was Old Trafford, though. But I think the Ox one hurt his shoulder, where he got boshed yeah. over there at Old Trafford, and it was proper late. But nothing even happens there. I and remember, um, I think one of Gomez's uh, leg breaks, well, it says a lot, doesn't it? One of them. Uh, I think it was happening that Bernie Player smashes him into a hole. I think he tackles him, but also smashes him into it. So, uh, there was a game in the week where someone's foot got stuck under the advertising board. Like that may have been the that may have been the Burnley Newcastle game. That may have been a highlight. Action packed. But the player had been boshed and his foot got wedged under it, and he had to call his mate to prop the thing up. Fuck's sake! His foot from underneath it. Ask the ball boy if he can help him out. Um, all right. So United Arsenal. So we're going back to last Thursday. Um, entertaining game, I imagine, for the neutral. The quality was probably indicative of where both sides are at the moment I've, in a game of supposedly two big teams the amount of misplaced passes Oof. the amount of dribbles yeah. in with your head looking on the floor looking how special that is um, opening up I don't know how there were any complaints about Smith Rowe's goal I mean um, the, the claims of it being the most bizarre goal in Premier League history which I know you pointed out yeah I wish it was. Yeah. <laughs> it was like... It went from being spoken about to just being bizarre to then being bad sportsmanship. Less than four seconds elapsed between the corner coming in and the ball going in the back of the net. I'm not sure I'm even giving the Arsenal players credit for noticing he's on the deck. But I was about to say, there's a melee of players. Does Smith Rowe actually see he's on the deck? I don't know. I haven't seen the Smith-Row vantage point come, from his. Smith Rowe comes from behind the referee mm. to hit it. So I don't. I haven't seen it from sort of his view. Um, but uh, and usually, regardless, just, you're going to hit the target there, yeah. aren't you? And ask questions later. Is it going to be your... I don't even think there's any United players out. complaining that he was down, stopped the play. Um, Al Nenny definitely doesn't realise. Um... <laughs> And he he gets an assist out of it. I mean, the, if I'm a United player or fan, I'm pulling my hair out of the hair. Like, unless you've got a broken leg, what the hell are you doing? He got very lucky that day by the end result. Yeah, off. Because that kind of thing... If that's how I finished 1-0, you'd, you'd be murdering him, wouldn't you? That kind of thing was what put him out of the team in the first place. He, he yeah. had that weird phase again where he was just not even made out of glass because he wasn't getting injured, but he was just being blown over, much like, because people were saying it reminded them of um, the start of his career at Old Trafford. Yeah. I think he had a howl against Spurs, didn't he, his first game. Um, and yet, I was watching it back, and as an Arsenal fan, you're like, I don't know how they're going to take this away from us, but everything looked like they were trying For to sure. find a way to. For the sure. ref was definitely like, I've fucked it here. Yeah, he was the the weirdest. Thing, I thought as soon as he clocks a day's down, he'll just blow up because that's what refs do. And to an extent, I understand it because this sort of thing happens where you'd want to avoid the controversy if you're a ref, I imagine. But when you look at the replay, he's going to blow the whistle. See Smith Rose about to shoot, and whether he has like a mind fart or what, because he just waits for him to shoot, and then obviously as the ball's travelling towards it, he then whistles. But he's obviously realised well, that's too late by then because I'm. Once he's hit the ball, and, he's hit the ball. And then the weird thing about it was the United players actually improved because they had a sense of injustice yeah. from their own player injuring another one of their players. Well, it's one of those things, isn't it? It doesn't really matter what gets you up as long as something no, no. does, isn't it? And as a fan then, I was going, just get to half-time. 
just get to half time because the same thing happened again that happens every time with Arteta's Arsenal side you get a goal and it's like fuck how long's left on the clock yeah because immediately once United peg them back they start playing again United then really weird yeah United then take the lead um, and it's aged poorly because I was going to speak about Fred last week and what I was going to say about him is what difference a week makes. Well, isn't that he's this exceptional player, but just that I actually think it's unfair when you say McFred because I do think there's more of a play in Fred than there is in McTominay. Interesting. When, when you look at Brazil and you look at the range of positions he plays at Brazil, he's kind of used as like a defensive fullback. So if I imagine if you were playing. Like I don't think you're putting him wing back, but that's essentially yeah. the area he covers because just that he plays for Brazil. I mean, it's, well, I know it's, it's not a vintage Brazil team, but no, but it's not even like a question of should he or shouldn't he. You you look at who he's in there with. I imagine um, you could put a lot of midfielders next to Fabinho, and yeah. they're going to look a lot better than they do next, next to, to someone else. Yeah, <laughs> but I just think there's a bit more to his game. Like he, his link up they had in in that game. Mm. Um, Sancho down the right very quickly realised he wasn't getting around Tomiyasu, who I thought of all the Arsenal players that day probably had the best game. So he must have spoken to Fred. They must have worked it out between them. They had Dallo over, not Dallo. It it was was it Dallo? It was Tellez overlapping down the one side that they went outside of um, Tomiyasu. And then Fred went on the inside. So essentially, they, they angled a 3v1 at times when Sancho had the ball. Um, but the nice little pullback Fred has to Bruno, who's not going to miss from there. He he had a great game. I mean, he ends up winning the penalty, which we'll get to, mm-hmm. um, that yeah. wins them the game. McTominay's been given credit the last couple of weeks. I think Carragher's given him out of the match twice. And I've even seen United fans like, what are you watching here? Like, <laughs> I don't understand. It has been funny watching the uh, the timeline. With Fred, similar with Fred, though. I have seen some people saying he's like still... like They're, they're entrenched in the Fred shit camp. So like, he's still shit. He didn't play well. The thing is, in the situation they're in, he's an effort player, isn't he? He's going to be working hard and putting himself about. And in that case, that player will often stand out in this in these circumstances when the football's not great. He's probably going to be one of your best players, but like he'll just probably never be the fifty-four million pound player. Is probably the only criticism. Different players, but do you think with what he obviously does bring to the team in terms of his tenacity, which is usually a nice way of saying running around like endless chicken, but he, the Derek Out compliment. Well, I was, I was going to say, is it is he good enough that you can have? and I'm not saying he is, like Xhaka, where essentially he's put in the team, and we'll forget about Monday night, where the coach says, I accept your flaws, I would rather have them than not have you there at all. Well, the last manager, it looks like the current manager will as well, did it over Paul Pogba, which says an awful lot. No one's saying he's a better player, are they? They're saying, you're not perfect, but I can trust you more than I can yeah. trust this other guy. Uh, I, yeah, Jack is probably the comp where you'd say there are quite clear flaws here, but, you also, but you're more reliable than the other options yeah, I have. There, there's, I feel like uh, Sosa, um, where he says the, there's no lying in you. <laughs> and it's like, with Jack and Fred, there isn't. Like, you know exactly what you're getting. There's no, um, like, Urzel or when it went to Dali Ali or it goes to mm. Pogba where you're like, you know, it's the things you don't see. The thing with those two, everything you get is everything you do see. 
Yeah. And I guess... There's obviously a pretty low ceiling on that, but... But I said... There's less... This could be a total disaster. I said about it with... um, I've even forgot his uh, name now, which isn't good. Our new um, left back. Tavares. Tavares. I had Tommy Asu just lodged in my head. And I said the other week... I said the other week, um, what you've got there is if you don't get a player out of him, it's just an indictment on the coaches because you've got everything there that you need for that position. Mm. And Fred's probably similar in that position in that you've got the work rate. Obviously, he can tackle because they've played big Champions League games that he's been playing in and he's put in a good performance. So it probably is on United's coaches. They should be able to drill into him that positioning, when to be making fouls and all of these things. It's not like he's a 34-year-old player like Matic is what he is at this point yeah yeah McTominay and Fred in particular you should be able to get out of them what you need from them and then it's on you if you're making them play a position where they can't do what you're expecting them to maybe yeah maybe um there's certainly more of a player in Fred than we've seen under Ole Gunnar Solskjaer you're probably right you're probably right it's it's whether him and McTominay, who again seems to get a bit of a pass by being, I know he's Scottish, but a British player. Um, it's whether they will ever be good enough. It's whether they'll always have this ceiling of being just decent players. But yeah, I don't know if they're ever going to be of the quality that United want if they're going to get back to the top. No, but I don't think if you look down United's team, if you do buy a new midfielder I don't know if Fred's the first one that you take out of there you might be right I mean Pogba already is the first out of there, he's already right? taken out isn't it and, and Van der Beek never got in and looking at the new midfielders that they're supposedly linked with so it's like the Declan Rice that um, Chouameni from uh, Monaco it's probably a, a similar player to the two that they've got so yeah, but he is a significant upgrade, isn't he? Yeah, so it's whether the new manager suddenly says, right, I'm going to be expansive because Donny van der Beek still hasn't got in Rangnick's first side and he came no. on for 10 minutes. No, and there was a feeling, wasn't there, that once Oli's gone, Donny's going to be freed and he's yeah. seemingly carried on. So it's it's going to be interesting. Him not having had a run is odd, yeah. I will say, because they've tried to be more expansive and put Pogba in there next to one of them and that hasn't worked. They've tried these two together and fundamentally it hasn't worked they get some games where they can get a tune out of them but over of course games they haven't Van der Beek would seem like a half decent hybrid of the two where he's good on the ball but when he's come on has put himself about so I do find it odd that he hasn't had more of a run I think um, if because they're going to end up looking for a player that probably fits his criteria probably fits his mould if you look at the qualities they'll be trying to bring a midfielder in I think you could plug and play Van der Beek in um, Liverpool's 4-3-3 and you'd see a hell of a player. Yeah, for example. You could probably put him in, and maybe I'm miscalculating what he does, in maybe where what Thiago does against a lesser team, not so much against a big team. But essentially, you're expected to do a bit of both. Yeah. You're progressing the ball more than Fabinho is. He could certainly do that in that team and it's up to what United can get out of him. Yeah, and if you're you're going to have you know the the sort of dog next to him if you like Fred or McTominay then he should be able to sit in and do that. I know it's again slightly different if it's the two of you in there maybe Bruno ahead of you that's you've got less protection in Liverpool midfield but it's if you're you're the player that was coming through Ajax 
it should be a good fit for you. Yeah, so Arsenal clearly do keep moving backwards when they take a lead. We'll talk about the Everton game. Moving backwards in every sense. Yeah. Um, Even the players don't listen to Arteta and they're moving back because Arteta, at least on the touchline, is doing his kind of move forwards. <laughs> in the press conference, when, when we win, it's uh, we. When we lose, it's the players didn't do what I wanted to. I mean, his press conference or whatever are starting to rile me a bit. Yeah. That sort of thing is getting on my nerves. Yeah, I've got a bit more on that. I've got it down because I've just been cooking since, since Monday. Um, but whether it is he coaches it or whether the players are doing it against what he says, that's an indictment on the manager. If the players aren't doing what, what the manager says... I understand when you've got a younger team, um, usually when you look at the average age of this Arsenal team, it's not too far different to um, the Arsenal team in 2007, 2008 that we had, where that was the um, Eduardo season. Now, there was enough there, but the young players were Theo Walcott and they were... um, Armand Traore. Well, it was. I guess the in-between players there was you had Fabregas, and he was dragging the team more than Thomas Partey's doing, who, beyond defending at this stage, mm. did an interview in the week saying my performances have been a four out of ten, then dropped a one out of ten performance, which was <laughs> Not imp- to see yeah, impressive. <laughs> it's yeah, because from the you look at that interview, you think, well, that's refreshingly honest, and then you can't really then go drop a shitter no. again after it. No, um, in fact, that interview, the headline looks better for him. Than the actual so interview. So the actual interview, he says uh, five or six originally, and then he says, "But I guess when you take into account what other people are saying, then it would probably be a four. Oh God! Yeah. <laughs> oh Jesus! So, so he, I looked on Twitter and actually, I'm a four. Yeah. Um, the older players in there aren't pulling their weight. Aubameyang's no, no. not set an example. We spoke before. Lacazette previously, I think, has set some kind of example. Like last season, Aubameyang was pulled out of the squad, wasn't he? And you had Smith Rowe, Saka and um, Martinelli or Pepe in between yes. Lacazette. And he did set the standard somewhat. He did it against Spurs where we beat them, where Aubameyang was late and um, hmm. he was dropped. So I think quite rightfully as they should be the younger players instincts are to go backwards I think usually they would be so much we'll just keep on attacking and I think that's been coached out of them to some extent in, that's depressing if so it's it's not we hold what we have but they're basically it's being, sort of fear isn't it there's, there's I think not they're a being lot of told to expect like uh we brought you in because of young players. But all the young players we signed had like hundreds of appearances. Like Lokonga was playing first team football. Ramsdale was, I think, the most appearances for a keeper of his age in top flight football. Mm. And they're all supposed to be, you have game management, but you're still young. And also I think their instinct is to move backwards. But there has to be a point, and we say this where we're talking about boxing or MMA or whatever, where you say... I'm holding the centre of the cage. I'm holding the centre of the pitch. I'm not moving backwards anymore. Because moving backwards actually creates more danger than yeah. it that prevents. And, and certainly in this Arsenal team. And it's not like the games in which we have conceded or even the games in which we've won because we can get onto that run. I know someone broke it down. And it's like two managers sacked, three relegation placed teams and something else. I saw and this Leicester. and I I was kind of glad. I think it was nice to finally put it out, wasn't it, right? Yeah. Because I, I kind of felt I was coming on the pod and sort of caveating your wins each time I kind of felt as a someone who isn't a fan it probably looks like you're just hating no because but I thought each one did 
tend to have a caveat next to it where yeah. you thought I can and, and it's not that for example you played well against Villa I thought but then obviously a couple of games later the manager is gone yeah I and even Leicester I thought were terrible in the game against you so little things were I guess you can pick apart any win if you yeah, wanted but, but I thought those wins were I not that convincing Alex saying so you've won these games but you still are tetter out and I was like well yeah because the context of these wins isn't quite like a one win over Burnley or whatever like, and and the Norwich game they battered us yeah for the I was last about to say. 40 minutes mm. there was the game against uh, Burnley which was smash and grab away at Burnley which but at the start of that run you kind of buy into okay they're young players um you take some of this when that trend continues in the new the Newcastle game was more flattering than it should have been in the end because yeah. the lack of creativity there was painful. I mean, people yeah. were telling me Lukonga dropped one of the midfield performances of the season. <laughs> I wasn't seeing that. No, I no. mean, in fact, when I came out and checked Twitter and saw what people were saying, I was quite surprised he was getting so much praise because the benefit of being a young he, player. I think well, he had the, he had the one pass to uh, Saka, which was really nice. And then the rest of it was kind of what you should be doing. And it was the fact that he was next to party who was particularly bad that made him stand yeah. out more. Yeah, correct. Um, so a lot of these games, it has been like the underlying stats have been like, again, I think Norwich and I kind of mockingly used to say about XG, but since seeing it more on Football Manager and just seeing it more in games and I had it um, under Emery where it would be like, at some point, these stats do catch up with you. You can't just ride this. You can't run, like, run away from forever. Yeah. yeah, for sure. And I mean, it's been like you said. XG has been a one of those things that has was mocked routinely when it first came in, wasn't it? Yeah. And yet, you kind of seen each team kind of fall to it, haven't Evan you? And Brighton, Brighton just it. defy the laws <laughs> of XG. But there hasn't been a single one of these games, including the Everton one, where they've scored an equaliser or they scored um, to go ahead and I've looked at it and thought you don't deserve that or that hasn't been yes, coming yes. every time it's been can't really argue with that because um, like we, we've no, been asking for it you've never convinced have you you've never convinced in any no. of the performances um, I, I think of this obviously you've had a couple of defeats now probably the best you've played probably the first half against Liverpool I Just in say, terms of there was some competitiveness there, yeah. but you you got basically unpicked by a better team. I'd say, and then you threw in worse performances. I thought against United and Everton, even though you were winning those games yeah. at some points. Yeah, the the tw- the forty five minutes against Villa is probably the best. They literally mm. the the team selection was all wrong. Dean Smith saw what we did to Leicester and went for it at the back didn't they yeah um, it literally just suited us perfectly I remember going into that game thinking that was weird yeah and I don't normally pay a great deal of attention to what formation Villa are playing to no. be honest so that you know that really had to catch me so, eye so even then and that's why so people say now well you, you've, you've lost one game and suddenly you're turning on the manager and it's like well whether I say as I just said earlier like these teams I don't think it's um, unfair to look at this Arsenal team, look at this Newcastle team and say, we should be creating four, five, six chances against oh, them. absolutely like, not. The expected goals against them was was less than two. And you can say, oh, we had 30 shots. Well, that's missed. That's the, that was Tavares firing it out the stadium about six say, times. Oh, Christ. Um, it was, was good for six shots a game. Yeah, it, it was... 
Arteta's had two and a bit years now. I understood the appointment of being so at this moment in time. Oh, oh my God. That stopped, bet on Chelsea then. And that Cheers. stopped them from topping the group. Uh, assuming Juve is still in the lead. Um, they have looked crazily open today. Yeah. Oh, sorry. Oh, I forgot where I was. About understanding the appointment. Yeah, I understood the appointment in the sense of, okay, these world-class managers, we can't currently get one of them. I still think we probably could have got Tuchel. Um, he was on his way out of PSG. Um, so it was, we need to take a gamble on someone. And there was no one there. We, you heard the things about Arteta. There was the Arsenal connection that made it more palatable for people. And it was, okay, we're going to buy in that in the two years you've been with Pep Guardiola, you've been a sponge. Pick something up. He's been, you, you, you've been in bed next to him and in his sleep, you've been <laughs> writing down what he's been saying. Um, you had the wins against Liverpool. You had the win at Old Trafford against um, United. We beat Chelsea that season. It was okay. And I always, I do always credit it back that we came on here because I think Carragher kept saying, we know how Arteta wants to play, but at the moment, he's making do with this. Mm. And you said on here, hang on a minute, from everything he says, are we sure that the way Arteta wants to play isn't what we've actually got mm. here now? And it's pragmatic and it's, we're, we're going to get by teams and we're going to be disciplined. Hard and, to be... Uh, I've, yeah, anyway. I've heard positional football said more than I've ever have before. <laughs> and it's it's just bizarre. We're, we're two and a bit years in now and the football's actually worse than it was when he took over. Like some of those goals in the FA Cup and the Community Shield were perfect. But I remember saying at the time, they were a little too perfect. They were very much like, if one thing goes wrong here, it doesn't work. Yeah. Um, and so the games now, like, that that United game, it's like we were playing the badge and not playing the team. Oh, They're shit. Yeah. I, I mean, we are as well. But every time we went forward, I never felt we couldn't get in behind them. Um, Martinelli just just simply running was enough to be um, making them uncomfortable. Maguire didn't look happy at all. And we got the lead and then suddenly sat back. They scored. We score again 30 seconds later. And then we dropped again, and he was like, "Okay, we'll take the draw. We're playing United." Yeah, I, I Erdegaard's tackle, I just can't comprehend. I can even comprehend less how the ref didn't give a penalty immediately. <laughs> yeah, like, great view of it as well. He's right on top of it. But then one of the most brain dead, yeah, decisions I've seen. We play Everton, and this the the same thing happens. Same thing. You won't you won't go away to a more vulnerable team. No, I went they were that. like waiting to. You know, your foot was on the throat, really. Yeah. Fans literally were planning on walking out. Well, I went into it not confident, but I mean, Quietly I'd seen them concede five to Watford, and it was like, I mean, we don't score many goals, but if you're going to give us I, a free pass, I saw the lineup, and it's it's easy to say now, it's probably the lineup I would have wanted. Yeah, I, I Bamian dropped, Martinelli still in there, Tierney back in the side. Okay, Xhaka, I thought this is a bit weird him coming back this soon. And even then, I th- I thought at the time, I'd had a conversation with my uncle previously where you have a player that you're not sure if they're fit or not and 
you bring them on for the last 45. I've always said, why not play them for the first 45? You get it done, and then you take them off if it's like that must win. I thought maybe this might be what we're doing. Instead, the game was horrific. Um, the substitutions were horrific. Like The offsides are offsides, but what you should take them as is, okay, we were let we off there. Off. Yeah. yeah. And exactly. that, that didn't seem to happen. Um, Tierney was getting in down the left-hand side every single time we shipped to him. But because he was back, we also seemed to ship back to that weird formation where Xhaka has to drop in as a left-back and Tierney goes as a winger. And the kind of four four one one had been working the last couple of weeks. It, was mm. like, it is just baffling. And Ketia coming in, oh. quite publicly, he's turned down, and I think correctly, three contracts now. Because they're essentially, Arsenal have been honest and said, we want to protect your value here. We don't see you as the future nine of this club. One of the issues with that is, him and Balogun have the same agent. Oh, right. And so when negotiating Balogun's contract and we've promised there's going to be a gap soon for you to come into you're this team. You're going to be the guy. That agent's not stupid. <laughs> where, so when Enketia comes to the contract table and they say, oh, we've got minutes for you. And he's, where are they coming from? <laughs> yeah. You've still got Bamyang there. Martinelli there, we know. Where, what, what's happening here? So he's quite, not bad, she, not bad. Uh, he's quite, uh, realistically said no I'd rather not have a deal that's come out he'd played five minutes of football before he came on against United in the Premier League this season and we bring him on when we're chasing a goal we then bring him on again against United uh, against Everton Everton. and as much as I didn't agree with it probably the most dangerous player on the pitch when he did come on (laughs) missed a golden chance which can't be forgiven but the Aubameyang chance at the end he creates with his dribble the the Erdegaard one where he cuts inside rather than just striking it the cutbacks of all cutbacks nearly ended up back on the halfway line I feel like I've got like a thousand thoughts in my brain I'm just rattling them off but even now we're not professionals it's not unreasonable to think when you're six yards out when you're training day in day out, you should be able to kick with the in, with your instep of your weak foot. <laughs> I don't know why, especially he'd had a cut back not as dramatic as that not long before. Well, it hadn't worked out because he had to check back and someone had blocked it. So you kind of think, right, I didn't work out that time. I'll let it roll across me this time. But like whether we were at school, whether we were um, in football training on a Saturday morning, you would do the passing drills where you would do it and they'd say, all right, now you do it with your weak foot. <laughs> and most people. I say that because I have seen some howlers were getting it back to the person they were doing it to. And you probably weren't too far distance apart from where Odegaard was to the goal. And, and you weren't as technically gifted as Odegaard no, is. get it on target. And it's yeah. like, he's probably our best player in the game before that. But you can't be passing up these chances. There seems to be so much with Arteta, the focus on getting it to the halfway line when you look at Ramsdale and the way he passed out from the back. You look at Ben. What the reason Ben White was brought in? Yeah. Um. You you look at Xhaka in the way that they try and kind of control the midfield so he can pick up the ball from the receiver, and that's what went wrong against Liverpool where they couldn't get it to party. There's so much, and you get to the halfway line, and it's like, right, you're talented boys. You should be able to work figure out for yourselves. Yeah. yeah. I I mean it's very Mourinho esque when you watch his, in, in terms of you can literally watch the team once it gets a goal fall back progressively as the minutes tick on and it's 
like I said, the only debate in your mind is you can't. He doesn't do any coaching. You fill up with the attacking players. It's figure out for yourself. And the only debate in your mind is whether he's actively telling these players right sit in and defend once you get a lead, or whether it's because of an environment he's created where the players are scared to express themselves and play that they feel they have to sit in and defend. Maybe the combination of both as well. And even then, like Mourinho was doing it with McAleely and Essien. Like he he, he wasn't. Well, he's pumped. Yeah. I mean, but yeah. But, but I mean, at, like, Spurs, at Spurs, you could see, yeah. you know, this similar sort of pattern set. It's just that Arteta is a young manager who doesn't have the yeah. baggage that Mourinho's got, and so he gets away with at it. At the other end of the pitch, they had Son and Kane, who, for all of Spurs' issues, their individual brilliance, they were get, between them. Can get them goals. Yeah. And Saka and Smith Rowe have been doing that. Saka was like in the Europa League last season, where he was quite clearly trying to drag the team himself to make it happen. He That cross he puts in for Nketiah that he misses is an absolute peach. And he yeah. had no right to get it in. He had two players in front of him. He checks between the two, puts it on a postage stamp. And who, who was it? Was it was it Dave Jones in this in the studio that night where he's like, Well, I mean he's he's not got much to aim at and it's like, come on. Yeah, Dave, come on. It's 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 just baffling. I don't want to see too long on Arsenal because we still we still got other things to do, but it it's clear that we're gonna need another like unthinkable run for the club to think about making a change. Yeah. And when yeah, I yeah. think about what that unthinkable run should be we went seven games without winning um, last Christmas and supposedly there was still not even a single discussion as to whether he would be leaving the club. I always reference it on here, but I remember that lost shot to Burnley. I thought, right, this is it now. This is, he's gone. Well, I said, like I said, the, he didn't go then. So. The only time I've done it when I was cheering on Leicester to beat us under Emery oh, God. and he stayed in the job. So I can't do that anymore. But the, the games that we've had, there's, We've got enough games sprinkled in. Like, I don't look at the run like United had when Ollie got sacked. Like, we've got enough Burnleys or Newcastles or Norwiches sprinkled in. You'll, whenever get, you'll pick the up a pressure. win and they yeah. won't. Yeah. But he he's now um, had the luxury of a whole new back four he signed. Tierney, I think, came back from injury right around the time he came in. Yeah. Um, but he also signed Tavares as well. New goalkeeper, new midfielders, big money midfielder. Yep. If party is saying a half is a confidence issue, part of that's on you. You've got to be getting that sorted out. Also, if he has said he's having confidence issues, biggest game of the season last season, semi-final against um, Villarreal, you, you played a midfield with one man in it and that was Thomas Party <laughs> against a disciplined team like Villarreal. Um He's extended the contracts of his attackers for big money. Two hundred million he's spent plus playing once a week now. And we were told, look, he's a master coach, Arteta. Once he has a week to be working out everything to do, it's over. It's over for these other teams. If anything, it looks like he's not not been able to coach them in the week. uh, I'm no Emery defender myself. No, no, you're not. Arteta took over a team that finished fifth the year before by one point with mm. a back four of Licksteiner, Socrates, Mustafi and Kalasinac. <sighs> Fucking hell. That's a relegation defence, isn't it? Jeez. And Arteta's finished eighth back-to-back with this season looking no better. I love the FA Cup. I'll defend the FA Cup <laughs> till, till, till my last days. Um, that only can buy you so much time and yes. I think that time is, is long behind us. 
Yeah. Our current goalkeeper's picked up player of the month for the last two months now. <laughs> and our current goalkeeper arguably has been player of the season the last two seasons under Arteta. There's yeah. there's a putt in there. Yeah, yeah. The last thing I want to get to with um, Arsenal, because I kind of crossed over, I got a bit on United as well. Um, said a lot of it this week. I'll ask you the question. This is like a Twitter thread where, right, this settles it. Oh, no. Do you think there's a conspiracy against Arsenal from referees? <laughs> no, I think you know my thoughts on refs conspiracy theories. Um, I'm not going to say you haven't had any go against you. Do you know what I mean? Um, but I, I don't forget. So I was conspiracy. I was trying to work this out when I when I seen this a lot. This Twitter is a useful space for I mean, this because you will find enough fan accounts. Yeah, that I think also, their team is hard done by I, as well. I also don't don't think there is. I, I do think there's a couple of decisions. Um, and everyone, mm. as I said, it's worse for each the, team. The Godfrey one, you can't explain. I've... The only... If I was trying to quantify why there could possibly be a conspiracy from referees, Wenger was as outspoken about referees as I've seen any manager be. <laughs> that has long gone. If anything, like, it should have gone the way of scare. I don't know how it didn't get to the point of scaring them. Like, Fergie had He tried it doing nailed, the Fergie yeah. and didn't have the... Jose uh... had that to the point where he, where he would say and he would get his stats and everything. <laughs> if anything, the current Arsenal team of the last two, three, four years has been a dream for referees. Like, mm. they don't surround the ref when there's a dodgy decision. They don't get on to refs at all. They're as nice a team to ref, I think, as yeah, any. it should be an easy night's work for you, shouldn't it? So, I don't... Well, it doesn't make sense to me that the three there's been three decisions our last three games the the shoulder challenge by Lascelles which I think that's as much a problem in refereeing in general as it is with refereeing against Arsenal yeah if yeah. usually if something is a foul in rugby that isn't a foul in football there's something that needs to be looked at there <laughs> like you can't go shoulder to head and it's not like they were trying to go shoulder to shoulder and Martinelli comes off worse, which I always think is fair play. Um, you're in control of your own body and if your shoulder's connecting with someone's jaw, that's 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 on you. Whether it should be a red, whether it should be a penalty, there was no decision given there. Um, the tug back by Maguire. Now, I can say upon reflection, this is I don't think this is as bad as the other two. The issue was, in, in the heat of Arsenal United every decision feels like <laughs> it's the biggest decision in the world. I do think if they had referred to VAR, they'd probably give it as well. The, I think in, in the slow-mo, the replay looks... Well, well that's the, the issue for me... Is, he grabbed the arm, didn't he? Once you grab someone's arm. The issue you're... for me is that it's obvious enough that the TV officials are able to have it on screen within two seconds. And it's like, so why, as VAR and referees then, you're choosing to ignore that. Yeah. Whether you say, oh, we'd be giving 10 of those a season. We've seen quite quickly if you make a point of something the game adjusts yeah, yeah so yeah. i don't want 10 penalties of that a season but i also don't think center backs should be able to do that because at least be more slick with it he has, yeah that's, he has two arms i think that's him, the issue and he's still way. holding him when he's on the deck and it's it's not one where i can say he's pulled it off tomiyasu's head but it's also like... Well, I saw a thing saying that, that that's potentially why that if the ball doesn't go to him, they don't consider it as an in-play thing and it's not a dangerous play, so they wouldn't have given it, which I'd maybe... It's, it's just, you, you always you always feel, and particularly when you're struggling, which we are, you feel if that was on the other foot and 
Xhaka or Gabriel or Ben White does that on Harry Maguire at the oh. other end, is that being given a penalty? And whether it's right or wrong, you come out of that thinking that would be a penalty if it's the other way around. Person always can make a difference as well. For example, Xhaka, that probably, that, I'm pretty confident that would get given. That's somewhat of a, of a kind of cliche of Arsenal fans now of the, um, what if Xhaka did that? <laughs> and it applies perfectly to the Godfrey one. Because if, oh. if Granite Xhaka does that on Godfrey, there's no doubt in my mind. We're talking about how long the suspension is. We're not talking about whether he gets a red or not. Um, what are you trying to play your nose? Um, you have some other ones where people will point out with Arsenal, and I'm, that's what I'm saying. It's easy to pick up. Like, did you see Carl Walker's red card last night? I know mm. it's in the Champions League. Do you remember when we played Palace and MacArthur does that on Saka, and he literally whacks him off his feet, Ugh. and so that was and there was one. and there was nothing given, and it's. Like, you at least just want there to be some level of consistency and you're always going to be able to do a comparison and say, why did this happen there? Why did this not happen there? But whether people say it was intentional by Godfrey or not, that that that, that doesn't come into it. It's like... Not when it's a face involved, I don't think. No, if, if, a player, if a player runs and they say they have their fist clenched and they swing round and whether it's to get a player off them, if your fist then connects with another player, it's you are reckless and you're out of control. Any time, particularly off the pitch, if your studs are on someone else's face, <laughs> something's gone wrong. It wasn't even a booking, and Godfrey. Wow, if, Godfrey, if you're going to give, it, you're gonna give him yeah, a right, aren't you? Yeah, Godfrey. Right before that, had gone through Sackett. I think the Anthony Gordon one on um, Tavares was uh, should have been looked at a bit more as well. And it's two feet over the ball. Didn't really get it at all, did it? No, 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 no. I didn't think so. No, and it's like. I remember thinking in real time that was a strong challenge. It's 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 the fact that they build up and they build up, and so yes, as yeah. a as a fan, you look at it and you're like, "Give us a break here, someone, give us a break." If you want my outside perspective on some of your games, I think you end up in a situation where, um, so for example, sometimes a player could have done three or four fouls against you, and you probably think probably should have got a yellow as a totting up procedure, and then they'll do a challenge that is in and of itself a yellow card at least. And you'll go, well, they should have been in the book, yeah, yeah, yeah. and you're throwing that one, and then that should have been second year, should have been off. But obviously, the math doesn't perfectly work out because he would never what, do that challenge what, had he not done the earlier ones. What doesn't help is um, the lack of chances we create. So every decision <laughs> feels so much bigger than it should be. And I guess my my issue with the Sydney Arsenal final line and with the with the referee and stuff is, I do think it does then give the club and the your management whatever a pass on certain well, things where you I, think. If you had your own house in order, the extra penalties and stuff would not be so significant as they seem to you. I thought when Arteta said after the Everton game, um, no, we're not going to blame that, I thought, okay, good. And then when he said, but the players just aren't doing enough and the players should be doing this, I thought, hang on a minute here. <sighs> but you're setting them up. You're coaching them for a week. You're telling them to do this. So his, his interactions with the media have increasingly become a... I'm looking after myself and keeping myself in a job here. And he's thrown his players under the bus. For all That's why I think it helps with a young team. But it's, uh, yeah. So he's he's doing, and it's a, it's a bit of a Hail Mary that managers use when they go with the young team because it buys them time, right? But he's doing it to the point where he's almost gaslighting his own team. Going, well, I'm telling you to do this and you're not able to do it. So this is on you. Whereas in truth, we know these are decent young players. If you can't get the best out of them, that's on you. And it's just all self-preservation, look after him himself. And he's making the young players probably less confident by doing this. Well, there's, 
there's usually um, you do get these shit houses in a team, and David Luiz was was awful for it. He he joined and he was under Unai Emery for three months. Within three weeks, he'd gone to the board and said, "This yes. guy is not fit yes. to manage the team." There's no one in this team, and I said before that the the players love Arteta, and I've backtracked on that since because he's such a dictator that any thing that's said slightly to the opposite seems to be blown up so huge they're out of the team. He seems so, a bit insane, doesn't he? <laughs> so Maitland-Niles got man of the match against um, Watford. Now, right. he didn't play the next game. Um, he didn't start the next game. He came on off the bench against Liverpool. His girlfriend put an Instagram story up which was picked up by the press. Right. And she said... What is it with this manager making ass decisions? <laughs> um, he got man of the match last game and he doesn't play this game. He's not played a minute since she made that Instagram post. Shit. He wasn't in the squad against I was, Everton. I was going to say, he wasn't even in the squad, did he? Now, other managers, I might not read much into that. No, but, with this manager, I'm definitely. But he, like, any other man, like, Gwen Doozy was an idiot, and I saw a tweet saying, I'm at the stage of hating Arteta where I justify what Gwen Doozy does. Gwen Doozy, on a winter breakaway with Arsenal, whirled his shirt around his head at some gig <laughs> they went to. He didn't play for six games after that because Arteta told him he wasn't representing the club in the right way. It's... It's weird at this point. It's like um, that's part of why it looks like the young players thing because his even his coaches, um, he he's for most for the most part the oldest man on his coaching staff as a young manager. Mm. Like he sacked a lot of the uh, more experienced guys, and he brought in like we've got nineteen year old coaches, we've got twenty four year old coaches. It's just strange. Again, that's another power thing, isn't it? Yeah, it looks like. Because and none of them, you think, tell him what he's doing wrong. I mean, his, his right-hand man, um, his name escapes me. Um, he's the assistant at Wales as well. But he was the guy who worked at Moyes at, at United. Yeah. Uh, um, it's going to annoy me. It'll come back to me. Yeah. But clearly he's a guy who's not telling the manager something's going wrong here. Because no, he's he been can't, in can't. these teams... And it's like, it all just makes... He's the guy you'll see now with AirPods in, just nodding away. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like, it, it doesn't it doesn't add up. Um, no, that's the thing with the... If you're going to be able to try and be like that, you've if you're going to do like an impression of... Not a Roy Keane impression, but that sort of thing of trying to rule with an iron fist, you've got to actually do it. You can't just... And I think he... If, he tries to do it and he doesn't convince. So, and then you end up in the worst of both worlds, really. So there's some Arsenal fans that are like, no, if we had a proper striker. Now, if for the next game, so we've got Southampton next then West Ham. Southampton aren't great, but you get it. If if he was given Calvert-Lewin and Aaron Ramsey, midfielder and a striker we've been linked with, in the system he plays, would you be backing them to say that it's going to be a considerably different team? No, 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 not at all. Like, and that's then a whole new midfield defence on attack. So, <laughs> yeah, no, I, I wouldn't. You're just, absolutely right. I wouldn't back it at all. No, it, and, and then you look at United. So, new manager came in. I don't know the stat came out. Um, 
They won the ball back, I think, 12 times in the opposition half for the first time since Fergie was there. I went on Twitter on uh, Saturday lunchtime. No, Sunday, 2 o'clock, wasn't it, they played? Yeah. I saw a pressing compilation. Never in my life have I seen a pressing compilation with soundtrack and all. It wasn't just a, right, I'm doing this because someone wants to see it. Like, soundtracks with transitions... I it's beyond belief. We we all saw the articles, which does take the worst fans off Twitter. So pinch of salt stuff like, look, we didn't ever play this well under Oli. Um, I've never seen this level of intensity from a United team before. They won one nil with a Fred goal <laughs> against Palace, who were struggling themselves. It is Ars- Arsenal fans. I think look the worst because. They present them with opportunities to do so. Oh yeah! Like there, there used to be when we were younger. You would always hear that Liverpool fans are the worst. You weren't winning. You had a very passionate fan base, and this was even pre-Twitter. So this is what you were hearing on, like, uh, do you remember you used to check the BBC Sport like live tracker, and you could text in, and yeah. you'd appear on there. Yeah, and you would see the likes of it on there, or with phone-ins. This. Now, so Liverpool are good, so you still hear these mental stuff, but the mental stuff is like Van Dyke's better than Maldini. And yeah. it's like there's no real argument to be had here because it's just a pointless debate whether you believe it, whether you don't. When the Arsenal ones are like Arsenal didn't play well because the weather in Merseyside yeah. and you've got these young players who aren't used to it, they just presents the opportunities there. United are in between where they do have enough good results but because of how bad they are you do still see these fans coming out of there and you see the likes of uh, like like Man United fan TV equivalents it's freakish I don't understand some of these people like what they watch what they they cope with I've always thought supporting Man United I could I could never understand how you could do it like (laughs) I couldn't bring myself just because like you win, right, that's what we're supposed to do. Sound like. And now, they aren't doing that, but everything is still like the hype is at that level. And we're seeing it with Rangnick now. Yeah, the bloke's got them to press. I mean, fair play. But at the same time... And it's, you know, very early days. I yeah. mean, anyone can... Uh, we signed Balotelli and he pressed in his first game. Let me tell you, it didn't carry on. Yeah, it's like, well, so... We've already seen this happen... Yes, I'd be excited if we got a new manager in, but at the same time... Well, well, I think in this case, yeah, I think that is that they're, they've hit a low point and anything is going to seem like a sort of an oasis in the desert to them, isn't it? So I think you can probably allow that. But it's the beauty of them is, and I was saying this, when we were getting... They had a couple of wins early in the season and we were saying we probably didn't appreciate them when they were shit enough. And yeah. I feel like because they had that little boost by Simon Ronaldo in the summer, and how short memories can be, sort of like, we're back or whatever. And I, I said, look, not that long ago, the pod was starting, and they were being talked of as the third team. It was City, Chelsea, yeah. and United were being talked of as the third one. And I was like, hang on a minute. I mean, I, I, I know I'm the resident Liverpool fan, but let's have it fucking right. I, I think, know we had a bad year. I think I said they came second. Year. I think I said Chelsea, then United. Yeah, and I was... And again, they've obviously been shown to be a, a certain way off. So they, they're they going to improve, but 
I think they've got the yeah, I think their fan base is the worst. I mean, we've got a good competition up there, but their fan base does not need much encouragement. That, that stadium in unison doing the Sue. Oh god. Is is horrible. I think once you're over the age of thirty five, you, you, you can't have a celebration like that anymore. Just put your hand up in the air like your shearer. Yes. Like or a or a nineteen sixties footballer just walks back to the halfway like <laughs> Even this his whole thing like um Christ <laughs> Yeah, he took a ball to the head. Jesus. Um, even when you see the players behind him doing it in unison, that's the worst. So was it Sancho and yeah. Tellers? Was it? Yeah. Tellers did us. Oh, yeah, God. Tellers, lads. Tellers, you're 28. <laughs> like, <laughs> just stop it. And even like doing it twice in a game as well. Like you've done it once. We get the point. It's your celebration. I used to do it on like big goals, didn't it? It was a big yeah, win. Now yeah. it's just. <laughs> I think, and I don't know if I'm making this up, so oh, I'll apologise for that. Did he do it after Bale scored the Champions League? So goal? he, um, I, I know what he did do was that. Bear in mind, this wasn't even to make it three-one. This was to make it four-one. Yeah. He scored a penalty in the diamonds yeah. and took his shirt off. I know yeah. that, and he may have done the sue yeah. as well. Okay, this is not a good look. It's, oh, it's 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 frustrating because he is easily the most hateable bloke in that team, <laughs> and there's a lot of hateable in a hateable in club. He like, is, takes him over. T- the even if you edge. take out the fact that he's now putting another injunction through to uh, the New York Times today, Christ. Um for something he definitely didn't do. Um, <laughs> I actually had a nightmare the the other night um, that I tweeted that he was what he's accused of being. And he sued me. <laughs> and like, he had the time where he was just like, I'm picking you. you. Like, remember Dana said it when he was like, we're going to pick one person streaming the UFC and we're just going to go on them. Yeah. And he was like, we had the SWAT trucks outside their house. <laughs> and that's what Imagine. I had like Ronaldo was doing. He's like, you, you've gone on your podcast, you've called me this and now you're going to pay for it. I hope you did it off your personal account, not the pod account. I did, I did. That was good. Yeah, yeah. I was fully... Uh, the pod was, can live on. Yeah, it was fully all me. <laughs> oh, but there we go. Um, we, we would do just like a, a funeral to Byron on the uh, on the next pod. <laughs> Here lies Luke Byron. We've spoken about Everton a bit already. And as I said, it's, it's a bit worse with me calling them out now after they've... Uh, Slightly different tone. Yeah, <laughs> just a number on us. But I'm glad to do it after rather than before. Um, you would have felt partly responsible for that. Yeah, you? I actually messaged you earlier in the day when we were going to do it saying like, I want to call this player out, but I just know what's going to happen tonight. Yeah, I, I was set to do the same thing. So yeah. we'd have... Well, I've still, got, I've still got it down. I've still got my notes and... Uh, I never still like, a fair game. I never like wasting my notes. So, um, <laughs> so got slapped up against, Ever- uh, against Liverpool <laughs> in midweek. Um, created yes, one, one half chance that they scored. And um, I mean, when fans are leaving at two nil in a in a local derby, it's like, not a great look, is it? No. Um, now this is where I was going to start. So pretend the game hasn't happened, and I'll just go as if uh, Richarlison hasn't just scored. Nice. Like, I think a narrative does need to be started around him. Um, maybe if he was just your everyday player, maybe if he was Calvert Lewin. I would say, okay, if people are being harsh, fair enough. Everton rejected £80 million for Richarlison from Barcelona and then came out and said, 
they would reject a hundred million pounds <laughs> if Barcelona came in with it in that same window. That's so we're outrageous. holding this guy to a certain level here. He's a fifty million pound player. Don't forget they paid Watford fifty million pounds for him. Yeah, that's which I think I think he scored like two goals in his second game, and people like and people said he wasn't worth. Yeah, 50 million. yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, when when I tell you this, and I think I did um, text you the fact, um, I was comparing to the kind of level that you'd expect him to be against the way he's spoken about. Not just by Everton fans, but just in general, the, the the picture that's painted around him. Tammy Abraham has one less goal in the last three years in the Premier League. That's mad. Um, and he's made twenty less appearances, and with the majority of the second season coming off the bench after um, Frank had left, and even in Frank's dying days, he kind of switched to Giroud, didn't he? Where he was trying that. Yeah, I wonder comparatively how many starts they've had. So, that wouldn't be free. So that's that's from the starts. Oh, sorry, that's from yeah. appearances. Yeah, sorry. So you might have yeah. bench appearances that he's got 10 minutes here and there. Yeah. Um, Lacazette has more goals in the same time and he's been a backup striker for Aubameyang and for the majority. Notoriously not a goal scorer, doesn't... Well, um, he's never hit, a great player, He's either. never hit 15 goals in all competitions. Richardson. Um Lacazette. Uh, is he? <laughs> no. Oh, Jesus. Okay, that's um, worse than I thought. Chris Wood has outscored him. <laughs> Now, when I think of Burnley, no disrespect to Chris Wood. When I think of Burnley striker, I think of Ashley Barnes before I think of Chris Wood. Mm. Yeah, Chris Chris Wood has outscored him. Now, he is what he is. He's in there, and he's supposed to be that kind of Burnley striker, isn't he? Where you're supposed to be a handful. You're supposed to, and he was all of that and more against us. Um, but when you're talking that kind of money. It's not like Everton even came out and did the, the the Grealish thing when they were like, well, he's worth that to us. Like, they kind of said, we've already spent 50 on him. He's worth more than that to us now. He's worth more than this. It was on deadline day, so whether you take that into account, but that kind of money has been attributed to his name. Yep. Yeah. You don't get off lightly for that just because you play for Everton. Any other team, you, you wouldn't be getting away with that so I, I don't know how he, how he gets a pass it's just bad timing that I'm making this point now after he's had the ball in the net three times against him yeah, <laughs> yeah this that's in a, in a way though that is kind of the perfect time for it though, because let's see what he does in the next few games yeah. it will be the thing he won't do it again he's you wouldn't want to have to rely on him to be a goal scorer would you For example, if they don't have Calvert-Lewin coming back well, You'd be thinking, what are they going to do this year with him up top? Well, I thought it was interesting, and in, I mean, I, I I can't stand the bloke, but Seamus Coleman's interview after um, I thought he did quite a good they, interview. Yeah, they beat us. Now I was only still tuned in because you know in that stage of anger where you're like, I want to hear what you have yes, to say after yeah, it. I yeah. want to know how you justify this, and I used to do it with Emery as well, but I had to sit through that to get to it. And the way Coleman spoke about Damari Gray. I've never heard him speak like that about Richarlison. I mean, I'm sure he says we need him to be in the team. But where mm. he was saying, get up, big man, we need you. And it's hard to say Richarlison didn't drag them there. But if anyone on the pitch did that day, Damari Gray dragged them and over the line. This was the most visible case of it. But I've seen other games of Everton this year because we can't keep them off fucking telly. Um, yeah. They're on against Sunday. Yeah. Uh, they, they they keep giving the ball to him. They keep deferring to Damari Gray, even like in a deep position. They go right, you have the ball and try and do something with it. 
which uh, a sign of you know they all trust him. That's so weird. That's so the the thing with him. Like he went to Germany, and we were like, okay, that's quite a, quite a cool move for him. Um, I mean, it looked okay. There wasn't make it wasn't even appearing every week. Um, Everton make the punt on him, and I guess the overriding reaction was. For that money, you can't go too far wrong. Yeah, literally, you scored in the first couple of games, didn't they? So, you're like, well, in this case, you've literally paid it back already. Like, I know some players at some teams, it just clicks, and he said that he's really enjoying his football there. He He's like, uh, would you say like Zahar in the way where it's literally give the ball to him, he's making something happen. And the level of ability that we're looking at where... He's scoring from range. He's scoring the one against Liverpool. He had one chance, and, yeah. and he and he bundled yeah. it in. I think we will increasingly see it become like Zaha, which I don't think necessarily will be to his benefit. I think at the minute, watching for Everton, they're trying to spread the ball around, and he's when he's getting it, he's getting it in good positions. I think they are will. I've said that they've been given in the ball, and I think that it will get more and more the case. And you end up in a situation with Zaha, and like Newcastle end up with St. Maximan, where it's right, you be our hero. And there's only so much the guy can do. Yeah, yeah. He he was phenomenal. He's a different level to the rest when, of that team when, when you watch him. Cut in. Oh, well, this isn't good. Because he'd obviously the Richardson one comes off similar, doesn't he? That he's had a run, smashed one. Yeah, Ramsdale. Ramsdale nice tips save. it onto there, and then yeah. Richardson does do a good header. Yeah, so a good save by Ramsdale actually. Before, uh, I know we just spoke about Arsenal. The Ramsdale hate online is weird to me. I don't know if it's because. And I know you said it where he for a, after that Leicester save you you couldn't get him out of your sight like he was everywhere, but like people have gone it so far where they kind of talk like he's not actually a good yeah, keeper. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like I messaged um, uh, Connor uh, Palmer, not Harmer, after the West Ham game, and we were talking about Mope, and I said. Like Tharka said earlier, Mope had one against us in the last 10 minutes. And before I finished, he said, uh, pushed, it, uh, pushed it over the bar, I imagine. <laughs> and I was like, why? Well, yeah, he did actually. But like, I don't know this this thing's come from where like, just saving just the ball camera first. Just camera has been, it's been like a bad thing. It's, um, no, it's the, it's the classic thing of a little bit of overkill where you've seen a lot of him. Uh, and, a kind of because Arsenal fans are having awful lots of cheer about the minute <laughs> have obviously been celebrating him, and uh, we don't like people having nice things. Well, I mean, I see, so, I see you so now. we've got to bring um, you back down to earth. Like on my on my phone. There, <laughs> there you go. <laughs> yeah, I got my Ramsdale lock screen on just to keep everything uh, protected and uh, uh, nothing better to put on there. But yeah, it, we, we don't like seeing people happy, so we've got to bring you well, back I mean, down. We're going to get on to um, Mendy and West Ham. But oh God! Ramsdale was trending after that game because Chelsea fans had been giving so much to Ramsdale. The, the, the main the main thing was well maybe a couple of camera saves. Uh, maybe if it wasn't straight at Mendy all was, the time, maybe if he could tip some of these over the yeah. bar. Yeah. Well, that's the that's the uh, the line you tread, isn't it? If you can, because I I know that there had been a lot of um, comparison there, but. Kind of basically, the Ramsdale was the style, and Mendy was the substance, wasn't it? Really, that Mendy does everything right, isn't flashy, yeah. And Ramsdale's uh, <laughs> doing everything for the cameras, according to people. So they made a rod to their own keeper's bat there, because as soon as you start doing that, well, you're in trouble. I was going to say this when we do the West Ham, and we'll still talk about that game, obviously. But um, 
the men the mendy one has been coming because you can never big yourself up like whenever someone does it yeah you know like and i know there's kind of a tr- there's kind of a trend now where we kind of like people like seeing it as if there's a portion of people that will say like look talk your shit like if that's what if that's what you think or they'll say look if if you're good you should be able to say that you're good we shouldn't have yeah, an issue yeah, with yeah. that when you start coming out and saying now correctly i should be on these lists of talking about the best keepers you got to leave it to other people to say that for you yes, because you're yes. inviting it on yourself I think especially as a keeper and yeah and that because you that's when you make a mistake obviously we all know about it yeah and he exactly. never recovered from the the mistake he makes at the start of the game but just oh just horrible from him and it probably would have helped Ramsdale's case if he didn't have to pick the ball out of his net four times on Monday night. Yeah, yeah, you're probably right. Um, I was going to mention Spurs before we get on to um, Chelsea West Ham and whether they're deceiving us. And we spoke about like the underlying numbers of Arsenal earlier. Now, for the most part, since Conte took over, and I've only taken the numbers from them, they're actually right kind of where they should be in terms of putting the ball in the back of the net themselves. Um, if I give you these figures now and without me saying XG every time you know what it is. Like against Everton, it was 0.85 to like 0.65. Like that should have been a nil-nil draw. Um, the game against um, Norwich, they outscored their XG. So their results, in other than the Leeds game, um, if I won't get into actually the goal score, but the results reflected as they should have been. So there's no, uh, I've watched Donny Brasco clips again recently. There's no kind of like Fugazi uh, <laughs> numbers in there. They are doing, they are getting the points they should do. The Leeds yes. won, they should have lost that. They had, it was 1.5 to 2.2. And I think Leeds in that first half could have put them to bed. Now, it's a bit similar to how they were early with Jose in the fact that Sun is just performing way above <laughs> his again. Um, he, he's got three more goals than he should have and they don't score many goals as it is. So no. having three more goals than you should have in a Liverpool side is different to having three more than you should in a Spurs side True. with the with the numbers they put up. Um, and obviously when it started going wrong for Spurs um, under Jose was when the ball stopped going in and under Conte defensively the 0-0 with Everton 3-0 Norwich 2-0 Brentford 2-1 Leeds um, Norwich missed some decent chances in that game yeah, yeah they did as did uh, Brentford Brentford as close to scoring as you could get I think um, it, Kane is uh, I mean disgraceful I think he's got <laughs> I think he's got four goals less than he should have and we're watching him. He, he's not creating chances, so that means essentially, like every chance he does have, he's missing one Premier League goal at this stage of the season. I'm, uh, I'd, I'd say I'm probably a month away from just saying he's done. Yeah. I, I was looking, but I, just, I think he might be done. It's it's horrible because with with him, um, when players haven't got moves before, and I look at someone like. Alexis Sanchez, when he was linked with the move to City, the January uh, the summer before he moves to uh, United, yeah, um, his numbers dropped off, but at the same time he was still running around like he had like like he was on speed, like he was still 
getting himself in the positions. Like with with Kane, the fact that he scored four less than he should, but his numbers are still he's still not the the primary um, like receiver of chances in that team. Like Suns having more shots than him, mm. Suns nearly getting more assists than him in terms of the crosses that are nearly being completed. It's essentially what I'm saying is they need Sun to to keep going because, mm. uh, and he has been a positive since Conte came in. I think because I, I, I commented on before that the whole Spurs team had been bad, but I felt Sun was getting a bit of a pass because he wasn't as bad as the rest, but he yeah. still wasn't keeping the level he had been at. Do you think he's been operating again at a better level? But again, he can, he can still. <laughs> it sounds crazy. He can still get about the pitch and move. You look at Kane, you think. It's like watching a, a boxer who's come old overnight. They say it now. It's like watching a player who's come old overnight. His his type of player, son, um, is probably perfect for like Conte style of management. Like it's it's different to Klopp's, isn't it? In man management style, but it gets the same results. In like, I'll put my body on the line for you. Yeah. Like it, Kane, uh, Conte was getting that out of Lukaku. Conte was getting that yes. out of Alexis Sanchez. He was getting that out of Mkhitaryan. Like. Mm. His player, where the his his system, isn't it, is supposed to eradicate the need for individual brilliance, and yes. if you have that, it's a bonus. Yeah, exactly. The, and that's why the I know it's a little cringe, and we, we've all probably had instances at our respective clubs. But his celebrating was it was it the Leeds one? Yeah, when he, yeah, when yeah. he went big at the end of it. So, as much as it might look a bit cringe, that's exactly what he has to do with this group because by all accounts he's tanking them all week in training Yeah. Uh, but there has to be that right I'm going to get this reward at the end of the week that is this guy's going to fucking love me and it's you know Klopp did exactly the same he's even more yeah. celebrating that probably back when we were poor than he does now because he knew I'm going to have to get these players up for and over the line yeah the the, the interview with Ben Davis on The Athletic um, like I've mentioned it so many times. I came out of it like Ben Davis was my mate. And he doesn't even say that much in there. But I feel like you're on first name terms. Just just the way he spoke in it, for a moment I forgot he was a Spurs player. It's just all the things that you kind of want to hear where he was saying, yes, um, we were poor under Jose Mourinho, but I actually think we deserved a lot more flack for that than than what we got. Like Jose got a lot, a lot of stick for that. We played well until we didn't. Um, he said... Quite quite openly, when I heard Conte was coming in, I thought brilliant. I I fit perfectly into his system. I'm quick. I can play centre back. I played it for Wales. Um, I I can slot straight in and, and do a job there. And he said, on his first day almost, Conte was like, I know what you can do for me. Nice. Um, and he's been in the team ever since. Got a goal last weekend. Caused the own goal the weekend before. Conte clearly. Spurs did what I want Arsenal to do. They realised at this point the season is still salvageable. Yes. Yeah. Manager's not doing what they should. And it's the mistake we made with Emery where we sacked him at the point where it was just like, right, we'll do what we can this season. Too late. On to next season. Yeah. Um, United did the same somewhat with Solskjaer a bit later, but they've got a better team. So you'd think they can get results faster. This is still salvageable. Yeah. Um, it. The thing with Spurs is to, to answer your original thing of sort of are they sort of deceiving us a little bit? I think they are. I think the results have been, you know, they could easily have lost to Leeds. Well, the teams are a lot similar to what we had our Yeah, yeah they've they? had a nice run and they could have dropped points in all of them that they've had. So, uh, and I think he's in 
improved performances from certain individuals and he's got them a little bit defen- defensively better, which will come over time, but also I can't ignore that you know they are still flawed defensively. They still have them, but they've been fortunate in some of these. It's not like he's come in and, and shut up shot But the them. system allows you to be a bit more shaky defensively, A, a little bit, it? a little bit. Um, so I, I think he has made some improvements, but the, the fortunate thing for them is... They've obviously been terrible start of the year. You feel like they're improving a bit, but still not that great. They're still in touching distance of the top four. Well, it's a kind of the perception is, and I know it's slightly that the expectations for these two clubs coming in were different. But we're kind of thinking West Ham are doing amazing, Spurs are doing crap, and they're only a few points off them. Well, even we we were what ten games unbeaten. United were in crisis. Spurs had just sat their manager. Yeah, they were both like three points behind us. I think yeah. we had a chance to go seven above United if we beat them. We didn't, and then all of a sudden, they're going to be ahead of us when they win at the weekend. Um, I mean, not that you want to dwell on it too much. Perfect sign for Arsenal of how perceptions can change as well, because now there's a cloud over you again. Yeah, yeah. And at Tottenham and United are probably both feeling quite optimistic about the rest of their seasons, aren't they? Yeah, definitely. Which kind of... Conte would If you're on the board, you're thinking, this says a lot about my managerial (laughs) situation. Yeah, yeah. but Spurs have an egomaniac at the top who's not going to allow them to be too bad, which works in their favour there. Um, against them, persistent. He, he wouldn't stay out of uh, Conte's DMs and got it. Eventually, got an answer. Persistence is key. Shut him up. Um, and United. I mean, the, the for how, however big I think Arsenal is, the brand of United, and they're never going to be able to get too low because someone's going to be able to come yeah. in. Oh, yeah, yeah, that's, that's absolutely uh, true. So when I was looking at the numbers earlier, um, one thing which I thought was worth mentioning because even as someone that detests Spurs, even I was annoyed by Harry Winks going on TalkSport and saying, uh, look, why am I starting? Why am I not getting oh. more minutes? When I tell you, and we're going deep in now, when I talk about XGA, so ex- uh, expected goal contributions... <laughs> When I tell you Larice's is higher than Harry Winks this season, <laughs> it's like, come on. Ben Davis did actually speak about that in uh, that interview, though, where he says... Harry Winks is a fucking idiot. He says the moment um, when quite literally 11 first-team players were left at home for an away European trip was when we were a bit like... He he said, and it was a nice way of doing it, um, he said, I can get myself up for any game of football because you're playing for Tottenham. Other players may struggle Oof. when they've been when they've essentially been shown you're that far out of my plans that I'm sending you to another country. Oh god. So just bad man management by Nuno, which you can't afford to have when you're already <laughs> Uh, when you're already in the pits no, no. So, especially uh, I don't think you can have with that Spurs dressing room either I think yeah. that needs managing so we'll wait for Nuno to be linked with us when uh, Arteta gets the chop that would be so if awesome. he ever does I'm at that stage where I'm like are you ever leaving I don't think <laughs> I is think he ever going to go you're getting carried out of there before he does I think yeah I mean Chelsea um, we can't not mention them so West Ham came twice from behind to actually mm. actually so Spurs Spurs the news today um Supposedly, uh, only 10 first-team players don't have COVID is what's come out of there, how right. true that is. I know some the, the other reports say um, they're waiting on PCR tests tomorrow. They're saying that their games should be suspended. Do you think they should get a COVID break? 
you're in a tricky spot with them, isn't it? Because then you're going to set a precedent if you I do. I thought the league at the start of the season said, essentially, if you can field a team... I think that's going to have to be but, it. But, but, and I'm not doing the, the boo-hoo boo me, uh, because I, I, the Arsenal team was still good enough to beat Brentford's team, so I'm not yes. saying that. Um, and you didn't have the same sort of number. So we had, we had 10 in the camp that were at least awaiting okay. a... Uh, they had like the positive test and then they'd gone for the PCR. Um, and that was literally on, on the... I think that was on the day of the game. It was maybe something a bit different there. But we asked for the fixture to be um, pushed back, told no. And it was the understanding that the Premier League essentially said this season, because we're not doing the bubbles anymore... It's basically on you to be yeah, protecting yeah, yeah. yourselves. Um, I think it's also going to go against Spurs when Conte was asked how many of the people were vaccinated. He he said, I'm vaccinated, but I can't speak for the players. You'd need to speak to the medical staff about that. That's a good pass. Um, <laughs> yeah. Good pass, Antonio. And I th- there does seem to be a thing, not whether it's in sport Don't or whether give it's me in that general, where essentially... If you're not vaccinated, and I'm not giving any stats on this myself, is you're essentially told, well, hard luck, you brought this yeah, yeah, that on is yourself. And so I think the league may act a bit differently than if these uh, 17 or so people were all... And the numbers that yeah. we're being told, some of them are coaches. So it's like, right, as much as you might right. want the coaches, um, you, you, you might not need your set-piece coach to be on the bench for the game. I think they will get the break. You think they will? I think Conte was stern enough in his presser earlier. He was quite mad in his uh, press conference. He was. Um, but I think they'll get it. Um, he was going, why couldn't Harry Winks just yeah. get it? Why couldn't he get COVID? So they've got a game tomorrow. Uh, Thursday. Yeah. I forgot what day we were then. Yeah, they've got a game on uh, tomorrow. Yeah. So we'll know at least who the players are. Because... UEFA aren't pushing the game back. Yeah, it's it's a tricky one in terms of does it set a precedent? Is a club going to try and tactically manipulate this? You'd hope not, but it's possible. And then it's the other thing of, well, if we get X amount of injuries, does we get a break? I know it's somewhat different, but people will get ridiculous about it. It affects Brighton's as well. I guess the other side to it is, is if the other club also doesn't want the game on, for example, say... They think if your squad maybe is all infected, do I want my team to come in, pick up, and then I've got a yeah. game next week and half my squad's missing is the only, I guess, question. I think what could make a difference is, as far as I'm aware, the game isn't scheduled to be on TV, which makes a big difference, doesn't it? Mm. I think part of the Arsenal-Brentford one was it was the opening game of the season. Yeah, we're not pushing this On back. TV, at Brentford, they were like, nah, no chance. Yeah. This one, I don't think's on TV. No, I think it's just a Saturday three o'clock. Yeah, so I think that may go against them. They're playing on the Thursday. Ah, yeah. So, but but then if ever it'd be an untelevised Sunday one, wouldn't it? So, I I don't know. I selfishly hope the game isn't pushed back. That's honest of you. (laughs) Um, Yeah, it's not on TV. Uh, I think it's Burnley West Ham, or is it Leicester Newcastle? It's Leicester Newcastle. They said during the Villa game that Leicester on TV again um, next week. So it's not tricky. TV. It's going to end up being a tricky one for Spurs, even if they do get it pushed back. Because obviously they've got a 
postponed game with Burnley still to fit back yeah. into the schedule well, as well. So they factor in their European games as well. They got well, a lot of midweeks. They have to win tomorrow to go through. Is it? And they probably don't have. They're third in the group. I didn't even struggle. I didn't even struggle. Christ. Yeah, the, just a little attention I've been paying to that competition. Well, I only looked because obviously a lot was made of the loss um, to Mura, and I kind of took it as a, oh well, they'll go for anyway. And when I saw yeah. that group and was like, Jesus, you might not be going for it. Yeah, I just took it as a humiliating loss rather than a loss that also had consequences. So they're against Wren, who are through regardless and have topped the group regardless. So they got to pray to Wren, just go easy on them. Yeah. Um, and then Vitesse needs to uh, better Spurs result. If they both win, then they need to win by two more goals than uh, Spurs. <laughs> it's, it's bad that we've got to work out the uh, permutations yeah. to get over that group. So there we go. Um, Chelsea-West Ham then, as we said. So West Ham twice from behind to win 3-2 against Chelsea. Um, Not bad at all. Edward Mendy, the stinker of all stinkers mm. that game. Um, West Ham, I mean, we saw it as a shock. Already beaten Liverpool this season but came into the game with no wins in their last three. Mope uh, let them know after he scored against them in stoppage time uh, in midweek. Um, I thought, I mean, not even just, I thought Chelsea were pretty dominant early on. They get yeah. the goal, not against the run of play at all. Uh, Thiago Silva, I think they pointed out in the uh, post-game that he scored a set piece against them last time, as uh, last season. Ironically, I very nearly wrote an early Chelsea goal. I said, the thing about Chelsea is you don't really even doubt that they're going to get a result no. once they get that early goal. Yeah, <laughs> Famous I, last well, words. I felt the same at the time. Silver then stopped a Sufal effort on the line. Mm. Question I've got here. Could Thiago Silva survive in a back four? It's a good question. I'll, be, I'll make it as easy as, could he even survive with Man City playing a back four? Yeah, I think so. I think there is. You think so because a lack of pace in a back four in the Premier League. I know what you mean. Like over a thirty-eight game period, if he was having, you know start every game because of his age or whatever, but if he plays the bulk of them, he would get more exposed more than he does at Chelsea. I think. Yeah, City is a tough one because they have so much of the ball. Liverpool might be tricky. It's Bear in mind we often done half when we our defenders have to do a lot on their own. That would be hard. It's so weird that in the what two seasons he's been there now. Mm. Yeah, two seasons he's been there now. Is it three? Two? Uh, two, isn't it? Yeah, this, I think this might be the two and a bit season. You might be right. Well, either way. The, I mean, the, the West Brom have been the only real team that have been <laughs> able to isolate him. No one's been able to explain that West Brom performance yeah, even though. But they did it twice. Yeah, yeah, no, you are right, actually. That's what I mean. Like, they, they, they've been the only team insane. that have been able to properly pinpoint him and be like, we're getting at you today. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I do remember when he's been signed thinking he's going to be good, but he's going to have the odd game like this. He had he had one really. against, I'm going to say Wolves. He certainly had it against other teams. He just hates teams from the Midlands. He's I mean, a can't hope. He had, he had a mistake when we beat them last season. What did he? He's had a number of, he's had a number of mistakes, but they've been good enough where they've got themselves out of it or they win their next six and you don't really worry about it anymore. Weird, isn't it, that um, players that have played in a back four can obviously play in a back five. The players that have kind of 
made their name in a back five is so much harder adapting. Yeah. Like you you see with Ben White, he can be a different player week to week. And again, I thought it's just a bit of an easy narrative to make because I saw headlines saying that he was bullied by Richarlison in midweek and they were on different sides of the pitch. Um, I think he's unfortunately just got the tag. The Tony one. It well, it started with the Tony one, didn't it? Where they they did the thing in pre-game where they said he doesn't win aerial duels. He's won more aerial duels than Gabriel this season for us. Um, and so basically when we lose, it's you played in a back five, so you can't play in a back four. Yeah. And sometimes that can be justified. Sometimes that's quite lazy analysis. I mean, Ben White's particular, if he's a skinhead who's a bit yeah. ugly people wouldn't do this it's because of how he looks and because of giving interviews where he insists something called Benjamin so unfortunately there's no way of doing that without appearing like an ass no whenever you've experienced if you've ever experienced someone in real life go I want you to call me my full name you have to respect it but you also go if they say it in a certain way you're like okay you're a bit of a dick I did it before and I hope they're not listening because they'll know who they are when I tell this story that there was a as you give the most unique name ever. Well, it was a it was a Michael, and I heard them being asked when they were new, um, "Do you like being called Mike or Michael?" I hope he is listening. And um, top guy, he said, "Can you call me Mikey?" And everyone was like, <laughs> and everyone, "Well, that's trying to give yourself a and, nickname. That's but, trickier." And I can recall someone going, "I ain't fucking calling him Mikey." <laughs> <laughs> like the Benjamin one because uh, Ramsdale takes the piss out people of it people still that. call him Ben as well yeah. so it hasn't achieved the because no. uh... Ramsdale took the piss out of it in the um, uh, Tubes interview and it's not even that he said he wants to be called Benjamin the question was when I hear people calling you Ben on all of your social media your name's Benjamin why is that and, and he said because that's my name that's yeah. what my mum named me because Ramsdale in that interview is like that interviewer, what kind of question? Like, like, and he's and he's just laughing, saying Benjamin, and just cracking up. And I, I think we said before when people are making a big thing of Ben White doesn't watch football, he's not the first, or he won't be the last to no, say it. No, no, I think he's. I think you may have said that. I think he's just a bit of a posh boy. Like, <laughs> yeah, he, just a bit different to what uh, people are used to. Like, I saw him hanging out with um, like Tion Wayne. Um, and it's like you look exactly yeah. how like you should look in this situation. You're filling a stereotype, yeah. Like as I said, as long as he's keeping the goals out, which crack on. I was thinking about sixty minutes into the game that we had another clean sheet on our hands. Um, <laughs> he's, I mean, he's, I think he's had more clean sheets this season than any other English defender. I'm going to say, but hey, listen, you can say it. We don't. We won't fact no. check. It's fine. <laughs> Or at least he may have up to uh, uh, at some point in the season he did because he didn't play in the the Chelsea loss or the City loss uh, where he had COVID. But yeah, it's just weird that back four, back five thing. It, it seems like for us it shouldn't be. If you're a good defender, you're a good defender. Yeah. I guess is the. But there seems there's, there's such a thing with it. Like even I guess a prime example, probably the best example I think you could even give is um, the look of Duffy at Brighton <laughs> yeah, playing in a yeah. back four at Celtic and a back five at Brighton. And yeah, because it's not like you can say he's gone up there and standard of football is Exactly. It's, it's just yeah. insane. If you get that system right, which um, we've got in Tuchel and in... Um, I was going to say uh, 
Graham Potter then and Conte, two of the best managers in the world at playing that system. It and shows it, it does, just like how insane it can be. Yeah, and it, it does afford players a certain amount of protection that they, they won't get at other places. There's no doubt about it. The middle of that back five is like the most secure, comforting place you can be. <laughs> and Ben White was actually on the right-hand side of it, so he doesn't have that excuse. But um, Thiago Silva in there, it's just so nicely cushioned. And even then, it's not like he has like young maniacs next to him. He's got like Rudiger and Christensen. And then if it's not him, it's like Azpilicueta. Yeah. So Andy's got the pace in, even if that defender's gone forward in like Reese James coming around behind. behind. He, he's he got the perfect system around him. Yeah. Look after him. And I mean, fair play to him because I didn't think he'd still be playing Premier League football. No. And- extending his contract again. And there's an argument that he's on his day their best defender still. I know people like Rudiger now, but so I would go with him. I, this is the it's testament to him that he hasn't been picked out by teams very often as I well, wrote individually. I down this question mainly because of Rudiger. Hmm. Because we weren't talking about Rudiger as being one of the best centre-backs in the league when they were playing a back four. No. I was talking about no. him as a guy, I hope he's playing against us because I want to get at him. He's a calamity. I still, I, I mean, he's better than he was. I think he's going to go to Madrid at the end of the season. I think... The noises indicate that, don't they? I think it's going to be a much shitter situation of the Ertzil-Sanchez thing, where Rudiger and Christensen's contracts are both expiring. I think... Oh, oh, oh Leroy. Should I think do better, maybe? I think one of them is going to get the bumper deal, and I think it's going to be Christensen because Rudiger's going to go elsewhere. Mm. But I think he's going to have a horrible time there. Especially if they pair him with Alaba, who's not a commanding he's, guy himself and really applied his trade as a fullback. Yeah, because he's not really a centre-half. Yeah. I yeah. think it's going to be rough where he goes next. The expectation is going to be, like, people are saying he's the second best centre-back in the league after Van Dijk. <laughs> yeah, that's bold. And that back five tax, uh, I would say, when we Ball played it keeper. briefly, like, Mustafi, Mustafi looked like a competent player for about five games. Um, I think the thing with Rudiger as well system aside I think he essentially has cut out some of the rash parts of his game but I always worry with a player that that can come back he still I feel like he's kind well. of keeping a lid on something that can come back out at any time well he was doing it um, in the Champions League he was uh, it's Atletico wasn't it that he was winding like right up mm, yeah and it's like that never ends well I've never known a player get away with that and it not come back to haunt them. Yeah, and yeah eventually it crashes up you. Chelsea can be uncomfortable. But, um, sm- small stadium sounds insulting like that, but there's no real place to hide when that turns on you. If you're playing in the Bernabeu, yeah. they, they, they aren't prepared to say, well, let's see you in a back five and we'll see if you do any better. No, 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 no. No, they're not going to do that. So uh, I think he's in for a rough ride wherever he goes next because he can't possibly... Because he's not going to it. All the teams he's linked with, he's not going to a team with a back five. No. Barca are interested true. in Christensen, by the way, which I think would be a. I think it'd be a decent move. Um, it certainly makes more sense than them being linked with Aspilicueta in the same week. Oh God. And it's like how many times it, that that meme was like how many times do we have to teach you this lesson, old man. Yeah. <laughs> like you, sh- if you're Barca, do it like when you play football manager in the board 
will sometimes say you can't sign any players unless it meets these parameters. Yeah, like yeah. I, I remember I was Wolves last season briefly, um, and it got to the point where the board would say you could only sign Portuguese players. Like that was an actual <laughs> thing on there. Oh god! And so if you went for a different player, they wouldn't sanction the deal. They would the they hell? would say you're not meeting our kind of criteria. And if you're in charge of Barca, that should be one that you should say. It should be, you're not signing these players to bumper <laughs> contracts anymore. Because yeah. it used to be, and you hear these stories about um, like players when they go to play for Belichick, and they come out of it and they say, they signed and someone says, well, how much are you being paid? And like, oh, we actually didn't discuss that. I just wanted to play for the Patriots. Yeah. People aren't coming to Barca and saying, I'm willing to play for Barca for less money than I was on at Chelsea. No. People are coming to Barca and saying... I want triple the money I was on at Chelsea and I want a five-year deal on it <laughs> yeah, because yeah. I'm coming on a free or just because you're Barcelona and you give out these deals. Yeah, exactly. So Christensen, in a, I still don't... I, I mean, I, I'm i as big a fan of the guy pre even before he's playing him out. I think you put him in a back four with Eric Garcia, I'm telling you, Oof. you've got no hope in hell. Oh, God. And I thought that was a stinker of a move before they signed him. And, and it has been even worse than the stinker. So there, there's a lot there. If we get on to West Ham, though, um, a lot's been made of it by West Ham fans. I'll see if you feel the same. Mason Mount celebrated towards the fans, whether it was to Chelsea fans at West Ham or not, when he scored that second goal. And he was quite cocky with it, as you would be. You just scored a volley from the edge of the area. Uh, across the keeper, Fabianski should do better. And he kind of swaggers towards them and people say this is the same corner that Trent celebrated in in the Liverpool game. Do you think West Ham were rolled up at all by that or do you think this is just West Ham under uh, Moisey? We aren't, we aren't going to back down for anyone. What's the Trent thing got to do with it? Well, they say he celebrated in the same corner towards the fans. I'm sure there must have been many players who have done that, haven't there? Seems I'm a just, tenuous. I'm just well, they they won two big games. I think the Trent one's more just been mentioned in passing. Right, right. Mount, Mount celebrated. He kind of swaggered towards maybe the it West, did West Ham fans. Maybe it did. Hopefully, hopefully it did. Um, it should be. Yeah, that's the. I like that. That's the nature of the beast. He's doing what he should do, and being a bit cocky. And if it turns, and if it works out for you, you can be cocky. And if it goes against you, we can all laugh at you. That's kind of the. That's the risk you take, isn't it? Yeah, I was just looking because. Um, I did speak to uh, Connor about it. He said, because he, he, when he said he couldn't come on the pod Monday, he said, he must have been devastated. The main point I wanted to, why well, he said he, he made plans so he couldn't be on the pod because he didn't think it was going to go. <laughs> I think that's understandable. He said, the main point I wanted to raise is the beautiful moment of uh, celebrating very early, clearly displayed by Money Mace. Perfect. Exactly. Exactly that. That does add such a, a sweetener to your win if you can have yeah, something like yeah. that. It's um, yeah, I, I always point back to uh, the Torreira game at the Emirates against Spurs. Yeah. Eric Dyer told Aaron Ramsey, "Sit down." You know, on Aaron Ramsey comes on his Instagram story the next day. Sit down, he said. Yeah, that's so captions. good. My fucking house. Yeah, we are, we were speaking about the uh, that was a, uh, the other day. Ramsey at Wembley, unreal. Excellent. Um, the Mount goal is a perfect case of, uh, if I'm him, I tell people, 
you watch that in real time, like a bad foul. You're like, you watch that in real time and you don't play it back. Yeah. Because it just yeah. looks so much worse for the keeper. Fabianski, yeah. a volley like that, it's not like it's close in and it's been placed around you. It's literally volleyed from an angle where all intents and purposes, it goes across you, fair enough. Yeah, that's It shouldn't be going in that corner. Yeah. yeah. What what's Ariola done? It's a good point. He played what, the first couple of games of the season and then after that. It's funny, wasn't it, with Fabianski as well? There's the steady decline that he's had whilst at West Ham. At one point he's been talked of as like one of the keepers in the well, league. He because did, he's always gonna be a good shot stopper. He did the um, He's just declined, didn't he? He did the Emmy Martinez with with us where he'd had on and off career, he'd played more games than Emmy did for us. Um, yeah, yeah. And then he had an FA Cup run where he played the whole way through. Um, we nearly went out in the semi-finals to Reading, if you can remember. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, Adam Federici had an absolute howler in. Um, the, yeah, that in was the, it. in the semi-final. Was that the same year? That was the year before, actually. Um, so the year that Fabianski left was we had a penalty shootout with Red. Reading. We had someone in the semi-final. We had someone in the semi-final. It was Wigan or Reading. Alternate the years. Yeah, the Federici one wasn't it because because Fabianski penalty shootout. He basically he saved every single um, run at him in the penalty shootout the following year, where he was our cup keeper. Um, And then he left on on a free, I believe it was, to West Ham. And I find it amazing that he's still going the way he, the way he is now. Yeah, he certainly had more of a career than you would have thought, yeah, hasn't yeah. he? But that's kind of been the pattern for Arsenal keepers, yeah, hasn't it? Yeah, Vito Manoni didn't get the same. He went to Sunderland and they didn't get... Eventually, uh has to run out. I was speaking to um, uh, Brad, not the one who's been on the pod recently, the one he writes, uh, and we were looking at an Arsenal-Sunderland game because it popped up my Facebook memories. And they had... Um, Costel Pantillamon in the net at the time, who was the big man. Yeah, literally, just because he was tall, people yeah. like, oh. <laughs> and yeah. realised he wasn't actually uh, that great. He was falling over Jan and Veer in the same conversation, by the way. Uh, who uh, Big Sam That's came in and cancelled a deal for, where he was on loan before. But West Ham, half-time, they go in behind. Moisey's team talks must be just something else because the amount of times they've come out this season just looking like he's told them like you're not having any supper if you don't Moise just turns into Al Pacino at half time <laughs> apparently not having any supper but when um, Ollie said that about uh, Son where he he, uh, he dived didn't he um, in the 6-1 game was it 6-1 game where he said um, if my son went down like that he wouldn't have any supper yeah. I'm telling you. <laughs> yeah, and yeah. I had to clarify after that he feeds his kids <laughs> Yeah, he did, didn't he? <laughs> no, that was crazy because yeah. people actually. I remember seeing journalists and stuff saying, "Like, I don't think he should be saying." Yeah. this. Like, I don't think he's being serious, lads. No. Bloody hell! Uh, but yeah, they, of all the things you criticise this man for, they came out, and I think it buys into what you said before with um, Chelsea that the fact they scored so quick was so important because you can't let Chelsea get in that cruise control. No, no, no. Because once they're there. It takes a very good side. I'm not saying West Ham Yeah, with that back five, they just control it. With, um, I mean, third place in the Ballon d'Or, Georginio. We'll go all pod on that. <laughs> oh God! I genuinely, 
I think if you put him in the Arsenal team, he'd look worse than Xhaka. I think it looks similar. For a midfielder in his position, he has no range of passing. It's li- it's like three-yard passes. I saw if, and I don't know if it's just me, anyone that uses uh, TikTok, there's just one podcast that always pops up and there's this, uh, Fatch sounds really harsh because yeah, I wouldn't want to be, <laughs> hey. uh, chubby skinhead bloke on there as a Chelsea fan. <laughs> and I saw, I saw this clip and it's always clips with this one podcast. I don't even know what it's called. Um, and he's saying like Jorginho played changed the way Italy play football with his passing and it's like hang on a minute I think they've been a bit of a passing side before this (laughs) but they've had some alright players the way he's spoken about by just Chelsea and Italy it must be a different bloke (laughs) (laughs) because it's not like you can even look at him where you look at some midfield players I could explain to you what Kovacic does better than I could explain to you what Jorginho does Mm. it's it's tricky, isn't it? Yeah, I'm. I wouldn't say I'm as critical of him as you are, but I'm closer to your thing than some of the ones who he, praise him. He's he's great at what he does. I just don't think what he does is particularly difficult. Like I th- I think, and I've been proven wrong on this before because I said that for all the good things that Firmino does, I think sometimes you need to pay attention more to what he doesn't do, and I think it's the same with Jorginho in that yes he's really good at what he does but can you not find someone that can do what he does and a bit more, and a bit more as well uh, do, do you think Liverpool are better or worse if you swap Thiago and Jorginho yeah yeah I wouldn't, I wouldn't swap for example it's no. so strange enough like either it's about and obviously wouldn't for Fabinho for example no so. either it's about individual honours the Ballon d'Or because that's the only reason Jorginho is in there is because he won the Champions League yeah that's it and it? Kante was more prominent in that Champions League run. And I don't think Jorginho was the best Italian no. midfielder in their run. I In that um, Italian midfield, like I'd rather have Locatelli than Jorginho. I'd rather have... Uh, Barella. Barella than... Yeah. It's like, I, I don't know. There was a genuine fear at one point that he was going to win it, wasn't it? And it was like, this can't happen. <laughs> like, football must have come together and been like... He's um, He is a funny one in that he can kind of set the tempo for the team and kind of get the team moving and that sounds so cheap and just like a nothing thing. I think, and probably another cliche, if you take him out, then they don't function as well in terms of how well they look after the ball. But at the same time, that is, I mean, you talked about how well Thiago Thiago Silva benefits from the system at Chelsea. He benefits from the system as well because, I mean, he has zero legs yeah. So if he does ever get exposed positionally, <laughs> it's a real problem. But they're so they're such a good unit that he never does. The best thing was um, that United game the other week where they nicked the ball off him. He doesn't even go to trap back. He just puts his hands up like, "That's me, Danny." Yeah. <laughs> like, there's no point me even pretending to run back here. Well, there is a there is a piece of decision making that Kieran Clark could learn from because he's gone. I could have taken a red here, but I'll yeah. I'll leave it for now. I won't do it straight away. It's, it's just so strange. The Ballon d'Or voting is, is bad every year and it's even worse when the votes come out. Even yeah, when you yeah. when you look at, um, and I mean, I'm not for one second appealing that um, Saka should have got the uh, Wonder Kid Award, but that's the one where I've, where I've actually been able to see all the votes for who voted for it. And it's like Ronaldo, top of his list is uh, Greenwood, but Saka's <laughs> not on there. And then there's so many um, 
Germans that have votes because it goes on. Um, I think it's in whether you're in, uh, like whether you've got a Ballon d'Or yourself, or it's whether the amount of caps you've had, uh, individual awards gotcha. to earn this. And there's so many Germans on there that vote, <laughs> and so like it's like Bellingham, Musiala. Uh, You'd have Lewandowski could have won it then. It's, what are they playing at? I don't know if it's different people voting for the because the Ballon d'Or is by the players, I believe, and the Wonder Kid is by like a selection of journalists, footballers, and players. Got you. But just looking at the looking at the votes on there, I think. The, I mean, the people that voted for Saka were Ronaldinho, Rivaldo. They've even watched him. <laughs> this is, this is, it's, but all the all the Germans were basically uh, and, right. and like uh, like Nuno Mendes, like anyone associated with French football, he's like third. He's like got the third spot on their list. Gotcha. It's just, and then you look at um, the Ballon d'Or rankings. Anyone that's played with Ronaldo doesn't put Messi on their list. Yeah, like very me, like Messi was. When you look at the list, he's either like number one or he's not on your list. Yeah, yeah. Like anyone associated with um, Ronaldo, um, Real Madrid, United, Messi's just not even in and around it. So I'd probably help Lewandowski because he's like, well, Messi's not there. I'll put him up a place. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's 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 so stupid. I think we can all we can all tell who the best player in the world is. The NFL MVP is probably the best one of actually giving it to. You've been the best this season. Yes, we'll give yes. it to you. The NBA one is kind of like the football one, where it was kind of like we can't give this to a LeBron every season, or we can't give this to Jordan every yeah. season. So we so, look for ways to which we can give it to someone else. Whereas NFL is seems to be, I I can't often think of a year when I've been like, you actually weren't the best in the league this season. They tend to get it right, don't they? Like they Rogers last season was like, yeah, spot on. <laughs> yeah, the only thing with the NFL one obviously is that. It has a slant towards quarterbacks, yeah. but the nature of the game means it's always going to be. You know, people said like Derrick Henry ran for two thousand yards last year, yeah. which normally would automatically get it. You, but if a quarterback's had a better year, it's, it's very hard not to give it in. But same as you know, a defender is going to really struggle to win the Ballon d'Or because attacking players are always going to get yeah. the focus. Look, the year Messi last the last one before this one, obviously they they had one when they missed out. Um, Messi won it and people were like, oh, Van Dijk yeah. had it. Unbelievable. Well, if the defender was ever going to win it, then Van Dijk would have won it that year. But Messi did get, I think, 50 yeah, odd oh. goals that season. So it's hard to argue. Especially, I think Lewandowski is hard done by. It's not like Messi had a terrible year. It's the way things have then framed. I'm not. I'm did not, win the Copa America. It's not a, an original point for an Arsenal fan to say this, but the year Nedved got it over Thierry Henry, <laughs> in the invincible season where he had got near 50 goal contributions, was like, what is the point? Um, even I think at that time a European bias was very mainland Europe which even looking at others the way a narrative can be created and, and I'll, I'll die with this that the year the years that Hazard was being told he was the best winger <laughs> in the league mm. Alexis Sanchez was like doubling his numbers yeah, yeah in a worse team and it was like we're just being told at this point that Hazard is this guy <laughs> like, very odd yeah really odd like he was getting like Ballon d'Or like that that the year Alexis Sanchez had his best year for Arsenal, he wasn't in the top 20 of the Ballon d'Or voting. Yeah. It, it does seem crazy, but also I I don't pay an awful lot of attention no, no. to it. Is the, well, it's the, so when I see people getting hit up about it. I kind of like, I don't well, exactly. have that much There's, invested in it. When when you say um, 
Salah was seventh in the Ballon d'Or rankings. It's actually worse when I say there's three Premier League players ahead of him on that list. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Jorginho, Kante, and Ronaldo. Like just insane. Like you, you would never, you couldn't make a case for them there, being better than him, could you? For there, example, there is not like if you offered Tuchel, do you want Jorginho or Salah in your lineup? Like he would play with one midfielder to have <laughs> yeah. Salah in that team. Yeah. Yeah, you would hear the motor running in the straight on it. But this this West this West Ham team also falls into yeah. what, the problem when they have so many nominees and stuff. Yeah, you're gonna like, people go. Oh, how's Harry Kane twenty third? Well, like, I'm not invested on who's twenty third on the Ballon so, order because it's way too many fucking names. I think like S- uh, Simon Simon Kier was like twelfth because of the yeah yeah, yeah. which is a, a lovely sentiment, <laughs> but come on, that's clearly what it is. Yeah, I mean the paramedics did a good job. We're not sticking them no. on there. Um, I need to be careful because I watched that Steve Bunce video earlier of uh, she can come again <laughs> and I said I'm going to go down that for, this, this, um, this West Ham team like Masuaku with the freaky finish <laughs> you know what annoyed me about that was I love it when those goals happen where the player comes out and they say did you mean it say, of course I meant it because people get so worked up yeah, about it yeah. you, um, they keep a straight face the goal um Saka scored against Chelsea last season where he like loops it over the keeper where it was like a cross shot and they said to him do you mean it? He's like of course I meant it and <laughs> there were people online that were so worked up like he's claiming he meant this and Masuaku even better because of his reaction and how shocked he was I I wish he'd come out and said I meant it I don't know what, what you're talking about because people would have been so wound up yeah you're not wrong Moyes I don't know if you watched the interviews after Moyes said the first thing I said to him I went in and said Arthur nice cross that was yeah come <laughs> on Moyes he, he's laughing about it but it's it's, it's so good um, I love that as well because the first thing I didn't even like see his tweet before but uh, Steve doesn't usually tweet during West Ham games but Connor I can rely on like live tweeting it and as soon as Masawaku scored, I was like, I know he's going to have slagged him off. Yeah. <laughs> and as the first, I, I like three tweets back, and he was like, oh God, um, I dread to think what Masawaku's going to do here, or something like that. <laughs> and it was like, I would be doing the same thing if uh, yeah. he came off of my team. Yeah, yeah, for sure. But it's just, the fact that it was him that did it, he's just so much better. Magic, yeah. Yeah, it's always good when someone random. And the thing with them is, West Ham keep having these games, and yet, until we get to the end of the season, like what? They've just cruised the Europa League group. Mm. They've just cruised uh, past Chelsea. They've beaten Liverpool. I still go into what I'm playing them. We play them next Wednesday. Feeling a bit confident? No. Bullish, no say, you I, be. I, I don't. But I, at the same time, if if you measured my heart rate or you, if there was a way to measure my confidence or something before I play West Ham or before I play United, there's probably, internally, I'm probably still more worried facing United than I am facing West Ham. And it's not like I don't know West Ham fans. It's not like it's not a there's game no, nothing riding on it. yeah. It's, it's, just, it's just a weird one. Um, well, I get that out of your head because uh, they're better than United, so it could be, yeah. tr- it could well, be tricky for you. A question just before, because I know we've been going a while. I don't know how you... If you need a certain half of your back or whatever, um, just warming in us all. So when um, 
so they've got these new owners come in who have already said, look, don't be expecting us to spend in January, which is never a good start. <clears throat> Do you think serious investment could be the worst thing to happen to this West Ham team? It's, a, it's an interesting take. Yeah, you could be right. Yeah, I think part of this thing with this team is so there's a good togetherness and team spirit to it, isn't it? As well as well, a nice bit of talent the, in there as well. The players they bought in the summer, they brought in Zuma, who... Um, Connor said he was uh, commenting on the fact he, he did the deadline day pod. He said people say about Zuma being injury prone. He's not had a knee injury since 2015. He's now out with a knee injury. Yeah, that's... Um, <laughs> oh, God. The other players they signed, um, so Ariola, um, I'm just doing this off the top of my head, uh, Alex Kral, who I only know because I signed him on FM a few times last year. Um, Vlasic, they've all been bit part players other yes. than Zuma. So it's again feels insulting, but the best players in this West Ham team aren't necessarily the players with the best ability. Like going out there and signing this centre mid, the centre mid is probably the place where you can't say it. Going out and signing this striker because he's a better finish than Antonio doesn't work in practice the way it works on paper. No, no, absolutely. Going out and signing this winger because he's a bit silkier doesn't work because he does more than Ben Rama does, for example. No, it's got to fit into the team, doesn't it? It's really weird. And it's probably the the main comparison is how people talk about adding someone into Liverpool's front line, which obviously they've managed with Jota, Mm -hmm. where you essentially, everything other than what you see on paper is what you take into account. Um, and they haven't even had to rotate their squad as much as we thought they would, balancing the European title. No, they've well. done better at that than I thought they would. It's, it's, it's really strange. They're they're brilliant to watch because there's never a second where I feel they're cruising. Like every second, <laughs> yeah. I feel like they're like they're going for your neck. And you see in American sports, don't you, where they they hate someone. Um, where you're up by 20 and you're dunking in the last minute. Yeah. Like, yeah. West Ham could be up by 20. Antonio's doing a front flip like Mike Dunk yeah. in the last second because that's that's the way they play. And I don't know if I'll catch up with them maybe after Christmas and after this period, but they're a lot more... Uh, if I see West Ham are on TV, I'll be more than happy sitting in to watch them more than I'll tune in. Uh, see... Liverpool, City, Chelsea. Liverpool are a weird one because um, they they play great football, but much like we say with Chelsea, usually once you've scored one, I don't really see a way in the other team's going to win. Or even not when you've scored one. On paper, there's very few games where I'll look at Liverpool and I'll go in like, okay, this could be a close game. Whereas West Ham, they aren't good enough that they have that factor about them. And I realise I've just put Chelsea in there after they've beaten Chelsea. <laughs> but I, I know I'm going to get a, bit of jeopardy a game well. of football <laughs> with, with them. They're, and the, the flip side to it, when they're not good, you feel like they're never out of it as well. No. And they felt, obviously, when they fall behind in games, you feel they can come back, which is pretty unique to most West Ham teams well, over the years Moyes, that I think have capitulated when the game's got tough a lot of the time. Moyes said on Saturday, he was like, I don't actually think we played particularly well, but we we scored three definitely, goals. He's definitely felt smug about that. <laughs> Being able to say, like, didn't play well and beat Chelsea 3-2, just he, what we do. He said, like, against, I don't think we played that much different against Brighton, for example, but 
it just didn't happen on the day. I imagine, as good as it is, there is probably some frustration amongst West Ham fans of what we could do without silly results like the Brighton one, like the Wolves one when they didn't really show up. Yeah. Because they're sandwiched in between wins over Liverpool and Chelsea. So you think, yeah. what the hell are we... What the hell are we doing it? Is that is that and the, they, and they you say like Moyes at Everton City as well? They could deal with potentially, yeah. But I, I felt that ever, his record ever against the big teams was horrible. Against like his record against Liverpool was horrible, and yeah. I feel like whereas West Ham can beat these teams, fall against the, some of the teams where you feel that they should get a result when I it's just, on them. Whereas at Everton, Everton team, I always felt they beat who they had to, but they were never going to break the ceiling because they wouldn't. No, be, I just remember the that teams. they'd go life and death with United like every time they played them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like they, Pinar, Fellaini, and you're thinking of that one game where they beat, where they drew four. Four, beat yeah. Four. I remember we yeah. we um, sign of our Brockworth team actually. Um, we played Treadworth that day, <laughs> and, and we drew nil nil, and we were celebrating it like, <laughs> like it was a win. But I remember we finished, and it must have been about eighty minutes. And just seeing it come through on your phone, and it was just Magic. carnage. But they had a couple of games against United with that, where if 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 they weren't going to win, it was like when Newcastle played Chelsea. They're usually going to stay in the game and get some kind of game out of them. I think this is the thing about compliment to Moyes and this West Ham team is, like you said, they are a good team to watch. They do play some nice stuff, and I think that's probably something you haven't been able to say about most of his teams. That Everton team was dogged, workmanlike, not particularly great to watch, strong defensively. Whereas West Ham have got a bit of that in them, but also a bit more style as well. Assessments so how he's sort of evolved as well. Every time Antonio scores, this same Twitter account on my timeline says, um, "Like this guy is so freakish." Everything I want in football this season is Barcelona against West Ham in the Europa League because I want to see how Gerard Piquet freaks out when he sees Antonio yeah, because agreed. the best defenders in the world, like you see, even like the look in Van Dijk's face when he plays against like Antonio and I remember it was the that was the time when I was convinced that we had a good centre back in Gabriel when he dealt with Antonio we beat them 1-0 that game or was it 2-1 um, but he dealt with him he lived up to the physicality and it was like this this for like a centre back it, it, it's it's like a, I don't know the right word but it's, it's it's like the litmus test where it's like okay we'll, we'll see how you are now because yeah no other league. I can't think of any other player that you can prepare yourself for to be against him. He's why um, often in an FA Cup game, for example, you get a lower league striker and defenders can't really deal with it because they don't see it. The big, strong, physical, knocking about, aren't shy. And Antonio's kind of got all those qualities, but obviously a little bit better as well. He's quick and he can score a goal right now as well. So he's kind of got the, the lower league mentality with the Premier League sort of quality now. Speaking I will of- say watching that West Ham game there's twice where Van Dyke gets back in to get behind him and I was like this guy's a freak because yeah. Antonio's away and somehow he gets back you know like, I don't know it was a pity he was defending on his own that game yeah. but other than that speaking of um, lower league strikers there there was a period of time where I thought Jordan Rose was the truth <laughs> I thought like this, this guy <laughs> you I did that, I remember I you think, uh, I remember he won an acre for me I remember walking to the shop and seeing it pop up he won an acre for me and I was like I'm buying stocks in this <laughs> guy like this guy I'm going to be like, I'm, I'm I'm driving into the sunset with, with this guy <laughs> and then it, it didn't quite pay off the stock plummeted pretty sharp Um, I think that is yeah I was just going to have a look at the fixtures we've got this weekend if anything stands out Um, Liverpool Villa so you got Gerard. Returning yeah, to Anfield. Um, probably a right because that's not televised. 
Yeah, Christ. Yeah, the, the telephone. I think we got a Friday night game. Brentford Watford. Who the hell picked that fixture <laughs> for Friday night? Christ alive. Um, yeah, Saturday the five thirty game is oh, Norwich United. Oh no! And no, the twelve no, thirty no. game City Wolves. What a shit weekend of picking the fixtures here. I guess the only plus is that we've got games all of next week as well. Because I'm I'm finishing work Wednesday going to see Spider-Man before any spoilers come out. <laughs> I finished work at last four, I'm booked in the cinema at 20 past. Um, and then we got then we got West Ham, which I, may, I might wish I was still in the cinema for. <laughs> if we get onto the UFC then before we finish... Uh, just think, it's a good yeah. job United have some positivity now, because otherwise they'd be going to Norwich and you wouldn't decide who could have the green and yellow fl- uh, scarves yeah. and who doesn't. <laughs> But now they can forget about their ownership thing. Flown by this podcast. Might be our longest uh, Monday one since deadline day. Um, UFC 269 then. Um, topped by Charles Oliveira against Dustin Poirier. Mm. Can't wait. Um, Nunes, Pena is what it is at this point. Um, People are really trying to convince you that Pena is going to do it. It helps um, in in the same way that I think it helps in just about any sport, to be fair. But the better looking you are in in, in women's mixed martial arts, the the more of a chance people are prepared to make for you. Because It always seems counterintuitive to me, that. More people will just go out on their shield for you. Yeah, yeah, that's true. I I used to laugh, counteract myself. I used to like watching Juliana Pena um, but I never had her as like she's going to go out there and beat Nunes. No, like no, I don't see it. how you make the case for her doing so because like her way to victory is going to be kind of grinding her down, submitting her. Like she tried that against Shevchenko and Shevchenko submitted her. Yeah, yeah, I don't see. Um, it. She's a good fighter, hasn't been active enough. Um, essentially, um, as far as mixed martial arts goes, she's just quite good looking. <laughs> And that's basically, I think, why people are prepared to. Uh, the Misha Tate tax. Yeah, go out and go out and bat for it. Yeah, I saw um, Misha Tate. She had a post um, on her Instagram, and it was like, uh, "I take this fight in life so seriously. This is what I do." Um, it's like a video of her showing her son like her battered face, saying like, "Oh God, yeah, no, I, I saw that." Oof. And then like the next post was. Um, People think as a fighter you can't have a booty. Um, <laughs> I, I've proven during my training <laughs> that you can really build this. And oh, I thought, God. <laughs> look, you, there's, there's a reason um, you're not a title contender and you're main eventing shows uh, for the UFC. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, look, we've got Ryan Hall back, three fights into the card. Yes. Um, Alex Perez, my, my guy, uh Thought he was going to win the belt, didn't quite manage it against Formiga. Uh, against Matt Schnell, um, your boy is back. Eric Anders is back at the top of the fight pass prelims. It's a really pod friendly uh, card. Against this. Andre Muniz, um, Jordan Wright, who's just um, he's like a really lanky middleweight. You've seen him before. He just, I think he he was on a card recently. He just came out like swinging in the first round. Um, Augusto Sakai against uh, Taishui Vasa. Nice. Um, Dom Cruz against Pedro Munoz. Um, so, I mean, as much as I'm a Pedro Munoz guy, I can just see Cruz narrowly avoiding leg kicks for three rounds and 
Pedro losing a split decision. <laughs> yeah, you've spoiled the magic there. But I think you're right. Josh Emmett, Dan Ige is a banger of a fight. Yes, that is. Then, I mean, a real loser leaves yeah. town sort of, surely, <laughs> surely. Yeah, Josh Emmett um, losing to um, really bad with names today. Um, who the fuck is that guy? Yeah, Jeremy Stevens. Yes. The shots he put in after he was already out is the most I've squirmed at any shot yeah. in UFC more than the leg breaks. Um, you got Sean O'Malley opening up uh, the main card uh, against a great prospect in uh, Piver, but he's really a 125er, so I think he'll style on him. Kaikara France against Cody Garbrandt, his first fight at flyweight, oh. if he makes the weight there. I was going to say, if he... But, Kaikara France isn't so defensive, isn't some defensive wizard like. <laughs> yeah, we know what we're getting yeah. in terms of those two, don't we? Um, Jeff Neal against Santiago Ponzinibbio. Um, in true UFC style, um, Jeff Neal was arrested on a uh, DUI, I think, 10 days ago. Um, or it was either that or it was a domestic disturbance, but he was arrested 10 days ago. Oh, God. Um, then yeah, Amanda Nunes and uh, Charles Oliveira. So fun fights, like top to bottom. Mm. There, um, opening the card is Julian uh, Robertson. You have got Randy Costa against Tony Kelly, which is actually a fun fight as well. Um, we'll talk about it more next week, I guess. Um, when we've got a bit more time. When you close your eyes and you think about Oliveira, Dustin, what's the first result that comes to your mind? Almost feel too comfortable in saying Dustin I thought that was Chandler (laughs) yeah yeah true true that's kind of maybe that's part of what's uh, putting the doubt in my mind is that I'm only really seeing people pick Dustin I'm only thinking Dustin so does does Oliveira uh, upset the apricot again I'll I'll be so happy if he wins the belt it'll be one of them and you, you don't get it very often um to a much lesser extent, but with Groves, where you felt like you'd really been there. You've for like, ridden the edge. Yeah. yeah, and it's like, I'm happy to see this guy mm. get what he's worked for. Um, and I think I'll feel that with Dustin, mm. if he gets it. Um, I think the way I was with UFC at the time, I think probably the first I really paid attention to him was getting knocked out by McGregor. Yeah. But just seeing him rise and fall and come through and the older into his career he's got the more his personality has come out and you've seen what a dog he is and what like a, a good guy he is at least uh, on the face of things with his foundation and you you wondered with his reaction after he lost to Khabib like are you retiring here like because he spoke really like depressingly didn't he yeah and I think you kind of felt a, a guy who's always been underrated but then when you got shown sort of levels quite as much as he did in that Khabib fight, you kind of think, "What do you go from here?" Because you don't just want to be—you don't want to be an also round. You probably want to be a champion. You've just been shown you're a level below. And he took at the that gamb- point, he'd only lost to McGregor by knockout, so we didn't have the comeback fights against him. So and he took the gamble with the second McGregor fight over the title. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Exactly. Um, and yeah, whether it's whether it's right or wrong, I guess with Oliveira, I just always see him quitting against Ferguson and it shouldn't be to like a horrible thing to say because I mean I wasn't the one having elbows like almost directly into my eye socket repeatedly 
based. Like once you've seen that, you do you you do judge a fighter. He's and, a, he's one. MMA fans and stuff have been pretty open about just calling him a quitter as well. There hasn't really been much shine away from it. But even with um, so people say after oh, so he lost that fight and it's the last fight he lost, and then he went on like an eight nine fight win streak. Mm. But he was being put in there with cans. Like he was being put in there. I think like five fights into that um, winning streak, he was in there with um, I forget the guy's name and the, the way I describe him is going to be disrespectful. Do you know his, his name's uh, Jared? He's the one that's um, mates with Falder, and like every time he fights, they bring up. Like, uh, yes. he, was, uh, uh. he was like a drug addict. He was like abused. And, yeah, but that was like five, six fights into. He was like one to seven in like a load of these fights that he, that he was having, um, and then eventually he broke the submissions record, which I think was what they were trying to do for him. And then they were like, "Okay, we can't stop you any longer." Um, we don't have anyone else to put through for this. Let's do you and Chandler. They do it. He shows heart because he comes Cause back he survives, from a knockdown. Yeah. And then everyone was feeling good for him at the time. I was like, you piece of work here. <laughs> Fuck my best. But I, I don't know. He's he's just someone who I'll probably underestimate until he retires. But Yeah, agreed. I, I definitely do. I definitely underestimate him. I'll be cheering Poirier very, very strongly. And then, ideally, we get the Gaethje rematch because mm. it's a part of the sport. I know this, but I don't have much interest in Makachev as the champ. Like, <laughs> I'm impressed by what he does, but I've I've seen Khabib like I don't. I don't need to see a slightly worse version. That's the thing, isn't it? It's tricky seeing... Could be 2.0 would be tricky, but seeing a just not quite as good version of it isn't... Well, the lightweight belt is going to be one that's almost always going to be a top of the pay-per-view. And then it's rough when you like think about a fight and the first thing you think is like, if he doesn't get taken down for five rounds, it's like... Yeah. It's not a bit of a casual saying it, but it's like... People are lying if they say they... For the for the most part, don't prefer your striking, and it's not like we shy away from the groundwork either. Because I like seeing that, but when the primary thing is get you down and keep you down before it's any action, which he does seem to be better at lately, I don't know. I think it's trickier in the main event as well. I think there's more of an emphasis on you to entertain. Where we might have had an undercard yeah. where we had two wrestlers going. It was impressive against Dan Hooker. So we'll, we'll that was the that. first time I've watched him before. Okay, I can see what people are talking about yeah. a little bit more now. But anyway, that should just about do us because uh, if you two hours forty eight minutes, we've Blimey. been uh, rolling here. We've had a lot to say in that extra um, two days. Hour and a half was the Arsenal one. <laughs> <laughs> So thank you for listening to another edition of the Spitballing Pod. As I said, tune in Friday for Movie Madness and we will be back Monday as scheduled. See you then. Goodbye.